Blank check with Griffin and David. Blank check with Griffin and David. Don't know what to say or to expect. All you need to know is that the name of the show is Blank Check. This is a podcast for all mankind. Too big for my pocket, anyway. That's nice. So I can't do that's an a impression nice moment. of him. Well, that's going to be a problem this, All for of this these. miniseries. Yes, they're bad opens. Bad opens. Bad yeah. opens, weird box office games. Get ready. Oh, that's also a good point. Yeah. This is a kind of uncharted fine, territory for us. But sure. uh, these early ones, tough. Tough. Uh, man, what a rip-roaring start. Hello, everybody. My name's Griffin Newman. David Sims! He's pumping his arms in the air. Now he's like jazzercising. Sure, right. <laughs> Hot David 2019. <laughs> Can't argue with that. Hot David 2019. Hot it's a blank check with Griffin and David. It's a podcast about filmographies, directors who have massive success early on in their career and give a series of blank checks and make whatever crazy passion products they want. Sometimes those checks clear and sometimes they bounce. Baby. I think that is the fastest I've gotten that out that in very fast. months. Wow. Both the Micro Machines-esque clip in which I delivered it mm. And the shortness of time it took for me to start to get delivering. to it. Right, right. You just wanted to get it out there. I'm all business today. Listeners. I'm all business today for, oh, for new listeners and also because I've had diarrhea for four days straight. The fastest time where you got to that. I can't keep it inside me anymore, David. My words, my meals, it's all coming out. Now, you were telling me this is your first day maybe where it's gotten a little, it's sort of gone the other way. I would say right now we're in, in the midst of uh, Griffin Newman uh, Infinity War, <laughs> in which my body is uh, at war with itself. Right. So now maybe things have uh, <laughs> tightened up a bit. Right, right. Uh, recently someone on the Reddit said that they disliked that in certain episodes I... Uh, Talked about your bowel movements, yeah. It, not even that. It was in the Patreon that I say I'm going to go to the bathroom now. Mm. So... Uh, uh, someone is uh, unsubscribing so hard they are literally poking a finger through their phone right now, Bob. <laughs> There's an unsubscribe button-shaped hole in yes, their phone, right? right. Yes, right. Yes. And there's sparks flying out the other <laughs> yeah. end. Classic, classic. classic. Uh, this, of course, as everyone can tell, is a series on the films of Hayao Miyazaki. I don't know why I keep doing this. Hayao Miyazaki, exactly. baby. Uh, new mini series. New mini series. What? <laughs> okay, okay, okay. That, that I can do. I'll tell you this. Griffin's a pro. He's been pooping for four days or whatever. Oh, He's got the energy. I, I guess you, you're faking. also out of your house. I'm out of my house. I'm also out of my mind. Uh, I mean, you can attest I've spent the last hour uh, having a nervous breakdown about the state of the entertainment industry. Jesus Christ. I've been yelling at you, holding you personally responsible for, for the, the dearth of studio comedies. comedies. And I'm like, there'll be more. <laughs> Relax, you maniac. But not on TV. I want them in theaters, <laughs> well, There's David. a lot on TV right now. Look, TV is kind of where the money is. But you know what? Things move around. Oh, no one should ever make a TV show. Well, that's what you keep saying. Here's a contradictory fact, though. No one should ever cancel a TV show. <laughs> Yeah, for the listeners who like to track when we're recording these, this is our first post-public announcement of a the vinyl being canceled. If you're trying to track the timeline, vinyl just got canceled. They're gonna make a big movie that pulls it all together. I hope so. Deadwood style is gonna be involved. They've yeah. been keeping the. I first of all, thank you for remembering Fuck that my yeah. character's name was Casper. Yeah. You know why he was named Casper, right? Friendly ghost was written to be an albino. 
I did know that. You did tell me that. Yes. And right, it came right. down to me and an albino actor. Oh, dear. And they hired me, and I said, I will not play this character albino. Right. You're not going to, like, put weird, like, uh, contact lenses on me or try and make me look like an albino or whatever. Also, right? here's, like, you know. Some, You're not going to powder me. Some talented albino actor who's, <laughs> no, like, agree. calling his mom. It's and it's up. like, right. the character's written to be albino. Right. No, no, of course. It's down to me and another guy. I guess usually, though, it's just makeup, right? Like, powder. Right. Charlie Hunnam in Cold Mountain. Yes. I can't think of other examples. Uh, those are there are other examples. Right. Um. Uh. Uh. What's his name? D- Dan Backadall in the Heat. Um. Uh. Um. Paul. Jesus. Blart Malkop. Paul Blart Malkop, a famous albino. No. Um. You know Paul uh, Bettany and um. Oh. Da Vinci Code is da Vinci it? Or, is, code. is it Da Vinci Code that he's? It's the code. In? Yeah. It's the code, my friend. Um. I just said like uh uh yeah. I I feel uncomfortable doing this sure. uh, when there's no reason. I have two lines. And they were like, okay, yeah, forget it. They were like, oh, yeah, thank God. We don't want to go through that work. They were like, we were never going to actually do that. Right. Because uh, it would have required bleaching my hair, my facial hair, of which at the time I had a mustache and sideburns. They would have had to bleach my eyebrows. You would have looked My eyelashes. Terrible. I would have looked the worst. And you remember how bad I already you looked. You already kind of looked bad. I looked right. really bad, and then I would have been bleached. And also, you would have stuck out like, if you're in a scene, I would have been much. like, oh, right. Like, what the fuck? If you were that? by a school, you would have been arrested. I would have been arrested. I would have been arrested. Because yeah. then I, w- I would have looked like a, a supernatural child molester. <laughs> yeah. I would have. No, you're right. I would have. It would have been so, so bad. But you know what's good? The castle of Cag- Cag- Cagliostro? Cagliostro! You did it. I think this miniseries is called Howl's Moving Podcastle, right? Because we were talking about this. I like Podcastle He's in the Sky. Got three castle titles, Ben. And it feels like, why make it more complicated? It should be Podcastle. But the question is, is it the Podcastle of Cagliostro? Is no. it Howl's Moving Podcastle? Solid. Or is it Podcastle in the Sky? Hell yeah. Mm. I don't know. That's tough. I'm usually I like- the tiebreaker, but I feel like. But don't we I also, see what the fans like? No, no, no. I also oh, pitch. Maybe, well, you, we could, maybe we could. you have a little more time to think about it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, We could also pitch and you could it also, to the fans. Because they know me as coming to me but now if you'd like. I also pitched uh, the Two Friends Moving Castle. Like, you could really jazz it up. Two Friends Moving Podcastle? Yeah, you know what I mean? I like Howl's Moving Podcastle. But who the fuck is Howl? Okay, you know what? Who's Howl? I mean, he's a character in Howl's Moving Castle. Spoiler. We haven't gotten to that yet. This is a big thing. This is like the miniseries where I haven't seen these movies. Yes. This is a total blind spot for me. Has that ever happened? This is one of my most embarrassing cinematic blind spots. Right. And this is partly why you wanted to do it. Yeah. Yeah. To do this guy. Because it's just like, everyone's like, how how is it possible that Mm. you not only- Like animation. Right. You like animation. Right. You're into it. Yes. Thought about studying it. Serious about it. You know how it works better than I do. Want to go into the field. Sure. Um and and Pixar is so reverential to to him hugely more than anything biggest influence they have is right. uh, in America is probably yeah right and are responsible for sure. Disney uh being behind uh, Ghibli for like for the last while. ten years mm-hmm. of those films uh they got releases and they had awards campaigns and yeah, sure. all of that because of uh, uh lots of Huggin Lassiter's mm-hmm. insistence mm-hmm. uh the only time that Lassiter ever uh, forced himself upon any issue. Right. Um, uh, great episode. Uh, but 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 it's it's this blind spot for me. I've only seen two of the movies. I saw one of them when I was young. Totoro. Yep. 
Right. And then I saw Spirited Away when I was in high school. Uh-huh. And both of them, I went, I don't know. I don't get it. God, are you broken? That's broken the inside? question. And so I stopped. Yeah, yeah. I stopped. Tr- but we know I'm broken, please. <laughs> I've been shitting for four days. I'm fundamentally broken. I'm, I'm having panic attacks about a genre going out of popularity in popular culture. I'm a broken person. Mm-hmm. I'm personally invested in a genre. <laughs> It'll be fine. We'll get our genre. Don't you worry. I want my genre. You know what's a cool genre? Castle adventure. Well, then you're in luck because, like you said, the man made three of them out of 11 Dungeon movies. crawler. Uh, yes, yes, that's what this is. But what I was going to say is, yeah, about music. At, at that point, having twice tried when people were like, oh, you're going to fucking love this Miyazaki guy and just been like, I don't get it. I was like, I don't want to keep watching these because mm. I feel bad not getting them. With Totoro, you probably watched the shitty old dub if you were a kid. Most probably. Yeah. So, I mean, that's not helping matters. I probably either. saw it when I was like six or seven when yeah, Disney like first it. released on home video. No, I think that was pre-Disney. That's, I, that's the old dog. I believe that was the one that Disney released. Because I remember being in the clamshell, baby. Then after that, Miramax starts putting them out theatrically. Miramax does like Mononoke. Do I think that's it. Maybe one other one. I don't know. Maybe. And then Disney takes over Spirited Away. They take yeah. over in the 2000s. Uh, they did. And gave it more of uh, properly supervised dubs. Yes. Proper campaigns, proper releases. Uh, he won an Oscar, of course. They'd come out in like a thousand screens. Um, they would actually make an impact, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Uh, no, the Disney dub does not exist until 2004. Weird. You watched the crappy Streamline dub. Um, which was distributed by Troma and released onto VHS by Fox Video. Oh, Fox. Yeah. Okay, because they um, also would use the clamshell sometimes. Yeah. I knew that Troma was the first to bring Miyazaki over here. Yeah. Which is a weird thing. Uh, that is weird, but it was a cult object at that right. point. I it was guess. a curio. It was like to um, them, it was like it's like a, this and Toxic Avenger the same movie. <laughs> um. So, but then with Spirited Away, you, did you see that in like in theaters? I or? saw that in theaters because right. it was such it was a big such awards a big thing, and it was and you, like it, it was no the biggest film in the history whatever. of Japan, right? Yeah. And I was just like, I gotta see this thing. I'm a serious adult film mind now. Mm-hmm. Fourteen. <laughs> Uh, and I just sat there and I was like, I don't get it. She's like dating the river. Oh yeah. Which is it's like the moment. Dating. That's the moment connection. where like you start crying. Oh and God. I turned to my mom and I was like, I don't. He's a river. Like I wasn't being snarky about Spoiler it. Spoiler alert. But. Yes. We've talked about, I was, uh, a, you know, a very confused child. <laughs> I learned how to process the world through media. Sure. And so I really needed to understand the rules of media. Mm. Like genre and format and structure, Mm. you know, and tone and things like that were like very important to me in the same way that you like the actual rules of things. Mm. I wanted like the rules of like how, how the format works. Okay. Okay. And this is such a different storytelling plane. You mean like you were seeing this and you were like, you know what? I just don't understand anime in general. And that's probably a problem for me not understanding this. Right. And that's too daunting a task right now. So forget it. Like, first of all, aesthetically, I was like, I don't get this artistic sensibility visually. And then I also don't get the whole sort of like spiritual track the movie is sure. on. Sure. And uh, as someone has said also. on Reddit, mm. uh, you know, uh, they, they were like, I wonder if he's going to actually come to like these movies because they're not very plot driven. Sure, some more than other, yeah. And Griffin seems like someone who really needs plot. Mm -hmm. I like plot. 
we talk about a lot of mainstream studio films here. Sure. So if a mainstream studio film is going to work, it's usually going to work on Yeah, a that's plot the thing. Level. I don't think of you as a plot heavy person. I just think that's the prism through which we usually discuss whether or not right. these movies are working. Yeah. But so many of my favorite movies are very plotless. Right. Um, but a lot of those are things I came to later. So I kind of want to review everything through new eyes, perhaps with fewer hangups. Like this thing about me not like being very confused by things as a kid. Mm -hmm. Here's a good example with a movie that we've talked about before. I fundamentally could not make sense of the existence of Clifford as a child. The Big Red Dog? The Martin Short movie. Oh, well. When it would come on TV and I'd be like, I don't understand. Why aren't they acknowledging that he's an adult? That's how I feel about Forky. Take that name out of your mouth. (laughs) A fully cursed character. That's what we're talking about. by the time this episode comes out, you will already have been married to Forky. By the time this comes out, yeah, Forky is president. And he's your your husband. Is he? Yeah, I guess he's male. Sure, yes. We, of course, made a deal. Well, we did? Wait a second. Because you think Forky's a terrorist. (laughs) I just, look. You think he's a domestic terrorist. I just read some blogs and I know some information about the kind of activities Forky's into, the kind of ideology he holds. And, you know, let me just tell you, I think he's in league with the Dark Lord. You believe in Forky, (laughs) Uh Uh And so, of course. Forky's just one of these bits where I so rarely strike gold on a bit, and I've struck such gold. Because, one, it's kind of funny because he's and such an ineffectual creature. It's so, Two, it works on you. This is, this is what <laughs> drives me so nuts, okay? Right. It is so my kind of bit. Right, you love this kind of bit. Right. Save for I hate what it's aimed at. Right. This is my exact type of bit structure. And the way you can pound it into the ground. And every time someone tweets some bullshit at me, I have to like begrudgingly fave it because I'm like, that's well constructed. So at this point, mm. I'm now retconning. At this point, we're almost two months after the release of Toy Story 4. That's true. TS Forky. And of course, months ago, you and I made an agreement that if you saw the movie and you hated Forky, sure. then that's where it laid. R- sure. Right. But if you liked Forky, you had to marry. <laughs> I think I'm going to like Forky. Then you got to marry him. Like, leaving the bit aside, which I'm happy to do. um, I'm not particularly excited for Toy Story 4. Yeah. But Forky, is it's kind of like Will Smith in Aladdin, where I'm like, I mean, this is the wild card. This might be interesting. uh, Because the rest of the trailers are like, they go on an adventure. They have to find their way home. And I'm like, I've seen this movie. Like, I don't know what that is. But Forky, that's weird. So you you kind of were done with Forky. I'm kind of into Forky. Well, my condolences to Joanna. (laughs) Because it sounds like you're going to marry Forky. It's a bit. I'm sorry. And she's like, what are you talking? I'm like, yeah, I have have to to sign this marriage contract now. I'm going to marry a a piece of merchandising. No, the real Forky. Okay. (laughs) I'm not buying a Forky off the shelf. Right. Let's tweet out the poll. Can you just do like in the old days, just tweet out the three options? Howl's Moving Podcast. Oh, oh, like a title title poll? No comment. Just put it out there, and at the end of the episode, we see which one is won, and there'll be a lot of dramatic tension in this episode waiting to find out who wins because it's not like it will already be in the title and the artwork of the episode that you're listening to. <laughs> uh, I will get to work on that. Okay, great. Um, the Castle of Cagliostro. So, uh, Miyazaki blind spot. I stopped trying to engage with it. I felt like it was time. I threw this out to you. He somehow hadn't been in our March Madness bracket the first year? No. 
And it was kind of thrown out by a bunch of people like, he should have made it. And yeah, what's up? Yeah, that was suggested. Right. I just said to you, like, I think we should just fucking do that. Mm-hmm. Especially coming off of Burton. I was like, let's do two David guys in a row. That's true. Yeah. Um, that this is, right, two my guys. Right. But it's your kind of miniseries, obviously. It's an animation-centric yes. miniseries. And I like your idea that we try and tackle, like, you know, within reason, an animator a year. Yeah. For, at least for, a, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, maybe Selick next year. Hopefully, the new one will be coming out. Right, that yeah. was sort of our thinking. Yeah, uh, I think that's our thinking. I, I still like my Clements and Musker idea. I think it's a cool idea. Uh, who's the, I feel like there's someone else. Well, oh, Bluth, of course. There's always Don Bluth, right? Who was on our bracket, right? And then, and then there are people too. Like it's like if Andrew Stanton ever makes another live action film, John Carter is such an incredible blank check movie. Stanton's a great pick, and he's only like four movies right right now at this point. Right? Yeah. Nemo, Wally, John Carter. Yeah. Dory. Right, and you have two. <laughs> oh, I'm reading that. Uh, oh, uh, Forky guest directed Finding Dory. Finding Dory's him. a good movie. <laughs> Take that name out of your mouth. Pretty sure Forky directed that one. Hey, Finding Dory, uh, Gentleman's Seven. It's a Gentleman's Five, point five at best. Finding Dory, and I'm going to repeat this, <clears throat> on an equal plane with Incredibles 2. Oh, that's just ludicrous. That's the most insane thing. Is incredible a year later? Is that's in- that's a fun challenge. Yeah, Incredibles Two rules. Is that still your third favorite Pixar movie? I don't know. I need to watch them all. You at the time said third favorite. Yeah, no question. Bird, third favorite. Bird, bird, bird. Maybe fourth. Got a lot of love for Wally. Maybe fifth. Inside Out. No, it's above Inside Out. Uh, uh, Toy Story three. Two would be the other one. Okay, I think. Why is everything going off on my device? I, I, David. I, I'm a mess. The poll's up. In the words of Officer Lewis. I'm a mess. I'm a mess. Here's a thing, though. I have had tangential familiarity with Lupin the Third for a very long time. Okay, so hit me with that, because I don't really, apart from this movie. I just feel like, as like such a comic book store kid, he was a figure that was like omnipresent in uh, comic book store culture, especially in the 90s. Mm-hmm. when there weren't as many big crossover anime, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So this is, like, just, like, late 90s when, like, Dragon Ball Z is starting to air on, like, Toonami. Yes, right. You know? and yep, this the is, mainstreaming, the vague mainstreaming but in like America. But, like, pre-Naruto, pre-One mm-hmm. Piece, pre-these things that, like, start to, like, really seep over. Even, like, pre-Pokemon. Pre-Pokemon, And I'm sure. the kid who would, like, demand that we go to the comic book store after, uh, you know, Little League Baseball. Uh, and then I'd stay there for an hour and a half and be like, "This is my exercise." Um, That's pretty cute. He, there was a lot of a lot of Lupin shit. Yes, he just seemed like Lupin the, the third. This is the cool figure. Like this is like a cool he is character. Cool. He's a cool thief who has a gun. Right. Here's just a well dressed man with a shit eating grin and sideburns. Yeah, he's got kind of a weird haircut, but apart from that, he's cool. Right. So I just feel like I was always very aware of like like Cowboy Bebop. Sure. Sure. Uh, 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 this, uh, Lupin the Third, and maybe, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, this always seemed like the one that I probably kind of like. Well, the most grounded in a way, right? Yeah. No, no sci-fi elements. It's really just like capers. Right. Um, he's based on the French gentleman thief Arsène Lupin, who of course you're a big fan of. Well, so this blows my fucking mind. Who's like a... He's like the gentleman thief. He was created in like the turn of the century. 
And, you know, he's got like a hat and a monocle. You're going and he's way- like, oh, 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 I steal your thing. David, you're going way too fast. There's a bunch of stuff I want to talk about here, okay? First of all, I love that the gentleman thief is a thing we can just uh, say, you know, the gentleman thief. The gentleman thief. The fact that the gentleman thief is an archetype. I stole it gentlemanly. This is something I've taken. I have a code. I've taken this for granted for so long. Mm. And last night while doing uh, in bed in between diarrhea runs, <laughs> Uh, a deep uh, Wikipedia uh, <laughs> sort of searching through all the loop and marginalia, yeah, right? which is deep. Right. hundred years long if you go all the way back to the French stuff. You right. Know? So right. then I was going into that Wikipedia and it yep. said like, you know, uh, Arnaud Lupin is a gentleman thief hyperlink. And I was like, right. Mm-hmm. The gentleman thief is such an important part of fiction. Yes. The guy in the tux who can... Go to a party, you know, can like hold witty conversations, can chat up a countess or whatever. But then also he's like, but actually I'm after your painting. It's mine now. Ha ha. Right. Like, you know, that sort of thing. I I nicked it. I love these types of characters. The guy who steals Homer's sugar. Yes. I I love these types of characters in like the late 1800s and the early 1900s who were just like, we all love the ongoing adventures of blank. Right. And it's like, would you believe a thief is a gentleman? Ah. You know who's kind of a gentleman thief? Who? Carmen Sandiego. Kind of. She's kind of like a, a, a gentleman thief for the kids of our generation. Because yes. it's kind of like, you know, we're supposed to be after her, but you're also right. kind of like, I feel like Carmen Sandiego is kind of cool and worldly. Yeah, yeah. And she's kind of a rapscallion. Yeah. She's super well-dressed. Yes, exactly. Right. That was the big looping thing I remember as a kid. Like, it was just like, this guy looks cool. Very cool. Like the the skinny suit, mm-hmm. he, the the little tie clip. Oh, I mean, I love a good mismatched suit in terms of colors. That his friends are all like another type too. Like he's got these like scoundrel yeah. friends. I would dress like Lupin the Third if I could. And what holds and me up it, is right. I wish I had the body type to sell it the way that he does. You almost do. You're a skinny man. It's the tall, the he's tall. really he's tall. Lanky, lanky sort of stretch yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like the pre Wes Anderson like. The, the the sleeves are up too high. Right, right, right. The pants are too short. The socks are showing. Like, L- Lupin was like, was on that drip pretty early. So we also got Raffles. I'm looking at some gentleman thieves. Right. Uh, uh, who David uh, Niven played. Monsieur Verdot. I mean, that's uh, a, a more modern sure. gentleman thief. Um, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. What's his name's character? Well, but we're talking like a we're real, old like, a man who, like, infiltrates okay. a ball. Okay. Describe what I'm doing to the listener at home. Um, daintily picking up, uh, uh, like a cloth. Yes. Yes. It's like, or That's a jewel. Simon uh, Templar. Simon. You think I'm picking up a cloth? What's underneath you, the cloth? The, the saint. The saint. I'm folding back the corners of the cloth. The saint is like the a saint. classic. Uh, the Thomas Crown, you know, Thomas Crown Affair. That's but, Gentleman yes, Thief. Right. Yeah. But uh, the, the man, the time of, uh, uh, tops and tails. Well, right. But Arsene Lupin is, he's right. He's literally in a top hat. Right. So here's yes. this character that's like Phantom X or something. Uh-huh. Who's like this like beloved Love French. Right. Why doesn't someone do a Phantom X movie? Phantom X is like vaguely in the Marvel universe now. Yeah, he is. So they should just put Phantom X in some Marvel movie. Well, they'll work all those guys in eventually, right? But yeah, let's do, come on, like. Well, John Dujardin's too old now, but you need some kind of French scoundrel oh, guy. fuck. You know? Who's the, come on, who's the um the uh, guy, Romain Dury? Oh, I'd love Romain You know what Dury I mean? Like Phantom. some kind of like scummy French guy. Phantom X is another one of these like like pulp French heroes who's like uh, kind, kind of a romantic cad. Yes. 
and is all stealth-like. Uh-huh. Anyway. Anyway, these so sorts of characters. So you've got those French gentleman thieves. Right. And then you have Lupin the Third. There is no Lupin the Second, right? No, the idea no. was just the leave a generation just, space in between. Right. To catch up to the modern age, he's the third. Right. But there was this whole thing, because the creator of modern Lupin the Third is Monkey Punch. Monkey Punch. It's his nom de plume. It's his mom. He just the man died. Go, went by the name of Monkey Punch. Uh, uh, Kazuko Kato. Kazuhiko Kato, sorry. Um, Monkey Punch, who just died. And this character is not... Like, literally last month he died. This character, at the time, is not part of the public domain in the way that Phantom X is, but is sort of vaguely just kind of owned by everyone. Like, people do so much shit with them that they were like, I don't know, we can do a guy who's, like, sort of inspired by him. Sure. So they, like, make this thing that's, like, it's not James Bond Jr., but it's uh, that's 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 kind of the vibe. But but I love there's a weird space in the fact that it like a hundred percent acknowledges the past guy by name, but it's not a direct spin-off of that franchise. Yeah, so it's I not guess, beholden to any past thing. Yeah, it's just what, sort of what riffing if I, off. Of I guess I would not be allowed to do James Bond the third. Right. But could I do Simon Templar the third? Like, yeah, who could I do? Alan Quarterman. Or it would be like doing Robin Hood. Like, as a modern person. Right. You could say that, I guess. Right. Like, the, his name's also Robin Hood, but he robs, you know, art galleries. But with Beach Bum the Third, you could do that. But what's weird about the fact that it was, like, this character was still vaguely, like, protected under rights at the time, and it's sort of, like, like major fan I know, fiction. I know what you're saying. I know, you know what you're saying. What if they did, what if they, instead of fixing Sonic? Yeah. They were just like, actually, this is Sonic the Third. That's why he looks different. It's like <laughs> they've slowly started evolving, becoming right, more right. generation. They only slept with other Sonics, so it's kind of inbred. And yeah. That's why it looks like that. So that's why their teeth are so long. Lupin, <laughs> yeah, is created in the late sixties. Mm-hmm. It's like a manga series by Monkey Punch, mm-hmm. and then it spawns a media franchise. There have been. Uh, I think six different shows, anime more. shows. More. I watched four episodes from the first show oh, yesterday. which Miyazaki worked on. Right. So right. I watched the two first episodes that Miyazaki did not work on because I wanted to lay the land. Mm. Uh, uh, Castle of uh, Cagli- Cagliostro, I'm going to fucking trip over this Cagliostro. for two hours, um, uh, is the second theatrical Lupin the third movie. Uh, that sounds right. The um, Mystery of Mamo. Yes. Uh, which I could not find any any way to watch. Which came out a year before, right? Seventy eight. So I was like, if I can't watch the first movie, I'm gonna watch some episodes of the the TV show to get a sort of bread base. Mm. And I watched the first two episodes. You love saying bread base. It's I a love great one. Uh, I watched the first two episodes, and then I watched the first two that Miyazaki directed. Mm. Because I also was like, if I'm getting into this guy, a a if I'm getting into this guy Lupin, I want a little bit of a sense of what it would have felt like to watch the movie already knowing these characters. I mean, yeah. Even though I think this movie does a pretty good job of introducing everything. 100%. That's one thing that's so... This movie is, like, just perfectly constructed. I agree. Yes. Uh, uh, spoiler, this movie rules. Rules. Um, but I uh, I wanted to just have a little vague understanding of what it would have been like coming to the movie with some understanding of the character. Right. And then I also wanted to see the difference between someone else... Yes. Directing this character in Miyazaki. Because Miyazaki's take on him is apparently a little different. A little Trying, softer, right. not quite as cruel. Yes. Yes. I think I'm just about to go hardcore into Lupin the Third. <laughs> I think I'm going to start watching this every night when I go to sleep. Sure. I'm re- getting really into this guy. That's what anime, I feel like, is often so great for. Is It's like it's short, it's bite-sized. If you want to yeah. just tackle an episode or two, you can But I in. just love, I love the, the setting of this world where it's like you have three primary characters who are defined by being 
Not the type. descendants of oh, sure, right, infamous right. types. Right, 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 right. So uh, uh, Jigen is kind of his own thing. Daisuke, yeah. Um, uh, who's sort of a cowboy gangster I love riff. I love him. But he's sort of his own thing. He's my favorite. Of course. Of course, of course, I mean, of course. <laughs> I also, he's sort of based on James Coburn and the Magnificent Seven. Right. Is 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 his, like, look. Right. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, what's his name, Gorman the Samurai character? Yeah. Gorman. Right. Yeah. The first episode that Miyazaki directs is his introductory episode, which is he is the third. No, the 13th. Uh, he is the 13th Gohm. You're correct. Yes, they are. He, based on this legendary outlaw. In this episode, it, it is that his great-grandfather sure, okay. was bested by the original Lupin. That sounds awesome. He's not the first of his lineage, but oh, okay. he and uh, uh, Lupin the Third hold similar places within whose uh, legacies they're directly defending. Right. And their two families have been fighting over this ancient sword right. for so long. And then the detective yes, is based on sort of a uh, famous the old. legend of an infamous historic Japanese detective. Yes. And this character is vaguely also, in the same way that all of these things are like riffing off of these vaguely somewhat public domain The monkey concepts. punch des- designs are so cool. Awesome. Yeah. Like super, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, uh, asymmetrical. There you go. My brain is melting. There you go. Um, but I love that thing that it's like three people whose like legacies perceive them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But they also feel the burden of no, but it's, how infamous their family lineages it's like are. Your and the upcoming roles they have project, to play. or no, sorry, Dan Hernandez and Benji Samet's upcoming project about like all the serial guys right. getting together. It's right. sort of that. It's like, what if we said we're like, yeah, what if Robin Hood's descendant right. and fucking this guy, you know, like you know, name, you know, right. the Scarlet Pimpernel's descendant, yeah. and this guy all hung out together, right? right? You know, whatever. And it's a thing that we don't really have in American culture. Let's do it because we have like five like infamous American families and they're all kind of creepy, just rich people. Sure. Like it's like we have like the Rothschilds and like the Vanderbilts and the Kennedys. I hear there's the, a really exciting movie about the Rothschilds coming up. Oh, it sounds so good. The Gettys. But that like, well, there's that you're talking. Yeah, sure. But there's also the classic American heroes like uh, Davy Crockett or Wyatt yeah, Earp well, where, or whatever. Where's Davy Crockett's great nephew? Do you know what I'm saying? Bring him in. I don't know what his deal would be, I like but in uh, these, bring him in. In these cultures that have existed for so much longer than us, they're yeah. like, you know, our classic characters. Yeah, right, right. And now here, here we are culturally updated. are making stories about the updates who also are literally descendants of these characters. Right. Um, but there's just such a clean structure to Lupin the Third, whether it's in a movie or a TV show. I say as if I'm an expert, having watched, I don't know, four hours of content sure, yesterday. Sure, 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 sure. <laughs> out of a 50-year media franchise sure. that also came out of uh, manga that I have read zero pages of. Fair, yeah. uh, but of course, I am now an expert in Lupin the Third. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can call me Lupin the Fourth. Um, and uh, uh, this this sort of sense of like, it, he always starts out by like calling his shot. He publicly announces what he's going to steal. Right. He's so confident that he can pull it off that he tells the people who he's attempting to steal from that and he's going to do it. And they know who he is and they're like, God damn it. It's fucking you. No. We've been preparing for this moment. Right, exactly. And then he's like, hold on one second, got to call Interpol. And then he calls up yeah, Interpol. And they're like, yeah, we're fine. Jeez, yeah, we're, we're on it. And then the news comes. Right. Like, he's going to steal something. Right. He always somehow gets away. Can I talk? So before- And he's got these uneasy alliances. Sure. Because Dragon's obviously like his right-hand man. Yeah. Uh, but then uh, uh, the character who pretends to be the, the uh, familiar in this. Fujiko Mine? You mean the, the girl? Uh, right. Yeah. 
That's her name, right? Fujiko Mine, yeah. Yes. She's she's the girl. She's right. like the Bond girl. Right. She always, look, always looks different. Yes. She's got lots of like disguise changes for every movie or TV show or whatever. Wears a black cat suit sometimes. But she's like his uh, foil. That's her archetype. Yeah. And uh, they're, they're in love sometimes as, as implied in this movie. They're, he's like, she's like the cat woman to his Batman or whatever. Her allegiance is chef. Sometimes she's working with him. Sometimes it's double cross. You never know. Sure. I just, I like this whole world. I do too. Before we get into the plot of the castle of Cagliostro, mm-hmm. before we breach the walls of the castle, uh-huh. how about slight bits of context on Miyazaki? Please. And then I bought a book. Yeah. I bought two books, actually. Right. That has, is, they're trying to collect anything Miyazaki ever fucking wrote. That's Whoa. what these books are. Okay. Like anytime you, if you wrote an article for like a magazine, you yeah. gave an interview. Something like that. Right. They're, they've packaged it all as like collections of essays. Wow. One's called Starting Point. I forgot okay. what the other one's so called. So you've been doing your work here. Because I'll just say, I was, I didn't know until recently, maybe two years ago, that this was his first movie. This is his first feature. Right. I was like, wait, Miyazaki directed a Lupin the Third movie? Right. You, you assumed his first movie was Nausicaa? Or you I, just I didn't know. Right, I just right, was right. like, that's weird that he started out making like but, the hey, second man. film based off a TV show you based know, off a comic book because he becomes such an auteur. Yeah, he has, he has his own studio. studio. It's all fully his idea. It's like if David Lynch's first film was like inexplicably like Smokey and the Bandit 3. Right, right. But sometimes that's how it goes, right? Sometimes like, Piranha 2. Piranha 2, right. right. I was going to ask David, uh, since Griffin talked about his relationship with the director, Mm. uh, what's your relationship with It's boring. It's just that I saw Princess Mononoke whenever that was, which is probably the first movie. Yeah, when that first, the first of those movies to be like properly exposed to American audiences, I feel like. Thanks to Harvey Weinstein, American hero. I feel like he messed with it in some way, but I remember it had a very fancy voice cast Billy of like stars, uh, Christian Bale yeah. and Claire Danes or whatever. Right? I think he messed with it in a bunch of ways. I think he messed with it a lot. But but I remember I think- it opening at the Angelica and it being a, like a sensation. Yes. Yeah. So I saw that and thought it was terrific. And then I saw Spirited Away when I was 16 in theaters as well. And that was probably the first time I saw one of his films with Is the Is there Japanese. no film in between those two? No. That's, so that's like kind of his big gap. Like a five year. I mean, that's that's the point at which he now he would retire after every, every time movie. he says I'm done. Yeah. Um. But uh. So Spirited Away. I remember I saw that at the Camden Town Odeon in Britain where I grew up. Um, I'm sorry. Wait. The United Kingdom. One second. Of Great Britain. Let roll back. Mm. Um. You saw. Prince Spirited Spider-Man? Away. Spirited, oh, Spirited Away. Away. This is Spirited Away. The okay, and how old are you? Sixteen. You said okay. the kingdom. It was in a, United a, a series of kingdoms. It's the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. Yep. Wait, but what you is that the country, the sovereign country? It's existed for about a thousand, you know. But why would you have years? gone that far away to see? What was it not playing anywhere within? Yeah. And you don't like flying. I just said that Mononoke no, was playing at the Angelica. I, I would imagine. Up I saw Britain. Spirited Away. Grew what? up there. Grew up there. God. Uh, from 1995 to 2008, I lived in Britain. So I saw Spirited Away in Britain, where I lived at the Camden Town Odeon. That's disgusting. In the big screen. Japanese dub, uh, where you have the you know the Japanese version. I just took out a bagel. He did. Yeah. Um, and that was the one. Like I had seen Mononoke and responded okay. to it, but that yeah. was the one where I was like, "Why don't I know everything about this guy?" Like, wait a second. Like, what is this? Is this is turned my brain inside so out? So then this becomes one of your guys. Love him. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, I, there are people who are far better versed than him than I am. I, I just, saying, I've just seen the movies and I love him a lot. I'm not saying you're was, one of his guys. I'm saying he's one of your guys. He wouldn't guys. cite you as his best fan. No, he probably wouldn't. But you'd he say he's one of your favorite filmmakers. He probably doesn't even know who I am. Don't say that. That's not true. I don't think he knows who but I he am. He definitely knows who you are. You think so? Oh my God. No question. He definitely, he's a blanket. David, he thinks about you a lot. I don't even think he's a blanket. What do you I think, think his favorite blanket is? I think he was a big night cheese fan. <laughs> yeah, sure. I think he liked James Elbrow. Um, yeah, yeah, right. That was him. He was yeah. like, right, I love the I'll do anything double episode. I yeah. didn't notice I, uh, uh, H. Miyazaki ordering a Hello Fennel mug recently on our tea public page. Yeah, maybe he'll make like a delightful film about a talking fennel. What if he comes out of <laughs> retirement? Hello Fennel. What if he comes out of retirement and we like see the announcement of his new movie and it's just about Ben? And we're like, wait a second. This is 100%. The producing adventure of young Ben. <laughs> right. I young, think that would be Benjamin. the movie that would yes. break him. Right. He wouldn't yeah, be right. able to complete it. Yeah. Right. My, my <laughs> new film concerns a magical, fantastical creature who comes from a porch <laughs> in New Jersey. One of the characters is a ditch. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I'm getting into it. Yeah. Hayao Miyazaki. Yeah. Born in 1941. Good year. In Tokyo. Uh, in Bunkyo, which is a... A town in Tokyo. A bad year. 41? Yeah. Historically? America enters the war. Yeah. Pearl Harbor. Yeah. You know, there are some things that went down in that year. I make sure I'm not on record as being a 1941 <laughs> fan. It was the year my dad was born. Okay, fine. A couple good things happened. Miyazaki was born then. Yeah, two, two good friends. Um, His dad worked uh, for Miyazaki Airplane. This is going to come up because Miyazaki loves his aircraft. Nice. Uh-huh. Uh, he made rudders. Oh, for a fighter plane. Okay. Um. So they lived a nice life. Mm. They had, had they were perfectly affluent. Uh, when he was three, they were evacuated to a town called Utsun, mm, Utsun Utsunomiya. Utsunomiya. Sorry, Griffin's just want to get that right. Griffin's just, his bagel. Um, Utsunomiya was then bombed by the Allies mm-hmm. uh, in 1945, and he witnessed that. Mm-hmm. Oh, just a bagel with butter. Oh, just, butter bagel boy. Yeah, sure. I love it. Um, and so I think that those, those are just things you got to you got to note the um, attachment to aviation. Okay. From birth, and you got to note that he was like traumatized by war. You know, at a very young age, like he witnessed all this horrible stuff. Mm-hmm. His mom suffered from spinal tuberculosis, so she was in the hospital all the time. She was nursed from home. That's going to be pretty crucial for movies like Totoro, which are about like illness and family and okay. things like that. Uh, she was a very strict woman, very uh, distant, I think. Uh, and he wanted to be a manga artist. He From struggled. The that was always his dream. He struggled with people. Okay. But he was good at vehicles. Mm-hmm. That was his like. Oh, in uh, terms, I, I thought you meant str- socially. Oh, I don't know if he struggled with people Visually. socially. But he couldn't draw them. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. He struggled with drawing people. Uh, he uh, saw a film in 1958 called The Panda. Panda and the Magic Serpent. Okay. Two th- two things we love. Yeah. Classic mashup movie. Yeah. Uh, and that was like, that was the his most like epic lightning strike right, right moment. Yeah. Um. He uh worked. Then he works as a young man at Toei Animation, which mm-hmm. is like the big animation studio. I feel like right. It's still it's still a huge deal. Sure. And um, that's where he meets um Isao Takahata. Who is the man he's going to found Ghibli with? Mm-hmm. 
the other big director. Have you ever seen any Takahata's? I don't Takahata think so. Film? You know who he is? I know. Grave of the Fireflies. I've never seen Grave of the Fireflies. Only Yesterday. Wow, you've never seen Takahata movies either. Of course, why would you have? If you haven't seen Miyazaki's, right. He didn't do Princess Kaguya, did he? No. Oh, you know, yes, of course. What am I talking about? But that was Princess his last Kaguya. film? That's his final magnum opus. I but... saw that and loved it. Yeah, that movie is Which is one of the incredible. things that made me like go like, I should go back. I mean, that movie is so like heart-rending. It's, yeah. it's... Yes, very special. Kaguya I love, and uh, Grave of the Fireflies is like a big, big, big blind spot for me. Sure. Grave of the Fireflies is very good. It's I think very it's devastating. probably kind of in my wheelhouse. Yes. His best movie- Because of the devastation. Highly devastating. Yeah. His best movie is Only Yesterday. Okay. Uh, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. Wow. Um, which is just about a girl who goes on uh, like a retreat to a farm. Mm-hmm. In her, like, she's in her late 20s and remembers okay. her childhood and all these sort of incidents from her childhood. Oh, yes. They just, she, they just re-released finally this recently. re-released it because Disney refused to put it out because they discussed menstruation in it. Wow. Yes. Okay. I mean, that's that's always been the rumor, I should say. They never, it's not like Disney came out with a statement saying, like, we don't like menstruation. But that was always thought of as the reason why Disney never put it out. Right. I mean, Goofy they, came when, out with a statement. Yuck, yuck. I think it's gross. That impression <laughs> fell apart the second he started saying words. I could do the laugh, kind of. Are you okay? I still think it was a good premise. So The I premise is funny. Um, but Takahata, in 68, makes an anime film <laughs> called The Great Adventure of Horus, Prince of the Sun. These okay. are all good titles. It's yeah. a great title, yeah. uh, which is this insane movie. Okay. Like, super crazy adventure, very kinetic, very like colorful. Miyazaki works on that movie with him. And so that's when they're they're getting going. Okay. And uh, they work together on The Wonderful World of Puss in Boots, which is another uh, classic Toei, like, 60s movie. And they work together on the Lupin movies. Lupin, however mm-hmm. you want to say it. Yeah. Uh, on the TV show and stuff. Okay. They also want to do a Pippi Longstocking project that I think was uh, fell apart when the, the rights holders were like, no. Uh, Something like they that. They do Heidi in the Mountains. They, they do do that. I mean... And they and they work on um, uh, Anne of Green Gables. They they uh, did a, an adaptation of Anne of Green Gables, which I've mm. never seen. Interesting. Miyazaki loves landscapes. Yep. He loves nature. Yep. He loves old buildings, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, and now I'm going to read for you from this book. Yeah, I'm not fucking around. Like David's taking a leather bound volume. No, I took pictures of it. He's choking up a key, and now he's using the key to unlock the book. Oh wait, here. <laughs> Uh, the book is glowing. So first, he says, I began... Chip Smith is on the crest of the book. No, 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 don't bring him into Miyazaki. Maybe this will come up later. Oh, Jesus. Maybe it's just a tease. I don't know what you're talking about. Chip Smith's family book. Um, I'm going to create a conspiracy subplot this miniseries. This miniseries is going to have a very detailed narrative. Forky's, Forky's at work here. That, that's what that voice is. Forky's my friend, and he's your husband. I would appreciate it <laughs> Look, if I, you stopped airing our, our, I, our good friends. I tell it like secrets. it is. I lay it all out there for about my relationships. You know, I leave yeah. it on the table. All right. Here's what Miyazaki said. Okay. I began by drawing a bird's eye view picture of the setting for this story, a lake and a castle of a small country. Cool. When I completed this drawing, I was confident the film would go well. 
I mean, that's a great attitude. <laughs> it is. So he like storyboards the whole movie. He gives yeah. it to a screenwriter who's the other credited screenwriter who like writes the plot and so dialogue. So this is not yeah. based on a specific like story. This is kind of his creation. I think it's vaguely inspired by okay. a Lupin story, but like pretty vaguely. Because this is what I was reading. It's very much his own idea, I think. Is that at the time this film was not super well received within it the... It was seen as like he's not hardcore enough. That was the thing. Yeah. Within the canon of Lupin III, they were like, he's acting too much like a hero. Uh, right. Because the thing he's stealing this time is a woman's heart? Yeah, get out of here. The treasure is the discovery of an ancient city? Right, which he's like, cool. Right, and people are like, I want to see him make off with coins, <laughs> a <laughs> scepter. Dollars! Yeah. Uh, all right. Yeah, much like, uh, uh, of course, our, our uh, good friend Shecky, uh, Lupin's catchphrase is a dollar, dollar bill, y'all. Dollar, dollar bill, y'all. Yeah. Uh, he divided that. He said he dro- he wrote the plot out and divided it into an A, B, C, D. There were four like sections okay. of the film. Okay. And as they were working, they realized that uh, C was like it was that the, the whole thing was way too fucking long. Mm. So that um, C was compressed and D was dropped. Interesting. Because of this compromise, I felt a sense of psychological defeat for half a year after the completion of the film. Even so, I do not think my method was a mistake. That's his. That's how he ends this little essay. Okay. So I guess whatever. But you know, it's like a hundred minute movie. I assume there was some kind of you know you can't yeah. go too long on these right. things. Um. And then he he also wrote this really long essay about Lupin in Animage. Uh huh. About like the legacy of the character. What was so cool about this it's Japanese people, like at the time, mm-hmm. this very kind of like cowboy American guy who like drank like. So is a he supposed liquor. to be American? He's supposed to be French, isn't he? I don't. That's what I'm so know. confused by. Um, you know, he he has it's it's more that he has all these like Western right right certainly, things certainly. right like cars and watches and brands and but like. Also- uh-huh. Uh-huh. I don't know. Dutch or Francais. Un petit peu. I don't know what he's saying. Un petit peu Francais. He's saying he's a little friend. Un petit peu Francais. Um, when the Lupin series started, here's what he writes. Okay. Japan was still in its shirake, or apathetic era. Mm. Lupin was considered con- conceived as a character who had inherited a fortune, lived in a mansion, didn't care about the rat race, and worked as a thief just to because he was bored. Man, you know it's like rules. I know where he's like fuck you. Like not only I'm not a salary man, and I only do this for fun. Right. Uh, I don't need the money. Yeah. Also, I dress well. Look uh, at my green blazer. Yeah, he does dress he's well. He's got a joie de vie. He does. He just he's uh, he holds himself so well. Yeah. Um. So apathy, Miyazaki says, was like the trend of the early '70s. Like that sort of you know the kind of like. That's why Lupin is so like floppy. He's always oh, sure. like sort of like reclining. He's grinning. Uh, he doesn't give a shit. He's got shit eating grin. There's Vietnam. Yeah. yeah, right. Like this. Yeah, it's like who cares? All the it's rules are broken. He's punk. He kind of like all of his like standing poses are like a marionette puppet. Like it's like these very like hard floppy angles. If that makes any sense. Right. I know it's contradictory, but he's both hard and floppy. No, you're right. Because it's like very clean lines and angles, and then it's always sort of like in relaxing or like leaning or, you know, slouching poses or whatever. Now, Miyazaki and Takahata, he says we were in the hungry stage of our career. We wanted to do whatever we could. Oh, the Hunger Games. Um, But they they wanted to take him out of this apathetic mode. That's what they were thinking in 1978. Right. 
Um, they want to take him care. We weren't ordered to do so, but even though apathy was still cool, we wanted the high energy of mini car races. We wanted Lupin to be happy-go-lucky and upbeat. He would like run around in circles, and like the inspector is the one who's mm-hmm. kind of like the drone, and Lupin's right. like wild. Uh, he would rely on his wits and his physical abilities, and Jigen uh, would be funny and uh, cheerful, mm-hmm. and Goman would be an anachronism and all that, and Fujiko would not be like sexy. She's called Fujiko... Referring to her large breasts. Oh, funny. Referring to the uh, mountain, Mount Fuji, the uh, gotcha. mountain range. Her name's Fujiko Love. What's her uh, last Fuji- name? Fujiko, uh, uh, Fujiko Mine. Oh, okay. Mine. Yeah. Um, and uh, and all that, you know. And he's trying to like let's let's make it less fucking cynical. Mm-hmm. Like let's make it more fun. So um, and it feels a little more classical. I mean, there's like this the whole thing to movie. I'm sorry, I just took a bite of bagel. He did. But the whole thing to this movie of it being like modern characters in this like very classic archetypal like here's a castle there's a princess in the spire it's very right yes totally totally you know but who's gonna break in not a knight in shining armor but this cool thief guy although he wears a little armor at a point um yes uh and uh so yeah like that's the mini car races. He keeps talking about mini car races, whatever those are. A pilot he, episode is him at a, at a at a car race, right? And he loves that that little Fiat he drives. He's, he's a fast like driver. I mean, the movie opens with them driving away from Monte Carlo. Yeah, and their car is so full of money that like the only thing that you can see in the car except for the money is their face. It's like a clown car with dollar dollar bills. It's yeah. so great. Um, I mean, Checky. I, I watched the movie with Checky, and he was loving this. He was like, he so he's cool he with. Like, I know currency. that guy. I know that guy. I know that. Guy. Uh, so they're driving away. Yeah, and they're like, ha ha ha. And then, then he's like, fuck, get rid of it. Yeah, it's counterfeit. It's all this counterfeit. isn't real. And you know, they roll on the windows. GN Money is like, never stops flowing out. I love it. It's and like she, it's like the exhaust pipe of the car is just like an endless stream of counterfeit bills. Right. Um. And it was such good counterfeiting that even like a casino thought it was right. real. Right. How did this infiltrate a state-run casino? Great premise. And then the answer to that is there's this castle that's a country yeah. and is thus protected from like any international where, law. Where is it exactly? It's, I think Europe. it's supposed to be Italy? like Liechtenstein or whatever, oh, really? San Marino, like one of the, yeah, which is in Italy, you know, one of those nation states that's like just the city right. size. Okay. Where like- I've never heard of the country before. It's not real. What? <laughs> Fuck! God, I wish. Oh shit! Ben has kayak.com open. He was trying to book a flight to Cagliostro. I wanted to see it. it looked beautiful. That's why he's been refreshing for an hour. There's oh, that's blood why ben on has his, his Delta Air Miles card. There's blood card on his out. keyboard from hitting refresh over oh. and over and over again. Um. Yeah. No, Cagliostro is not a real place. Yeah, San Marino, right? You know, one of those tiny. Sure. Uh. It, Opposite of um, Coruscant. Whole planet's a city? No. Oh. Whole city's a country. <laughs> yeah. Know. Whole castle's a country. Whole yeah. country's a castle. Um, so it's but just, Lupin knows it's about a this. grand duchy. He knows you know? about this place. He immediately, he yeah, puts it like, together. Oh, he's like, hey. Cagliostro. First off, stop shedding tears for this counterfeit money. Mm-hmm. Because second of all, this gave me an idea for our next heist. Right. I know where we got to go. We don't even need this counterfeit money. Right. This is, Lose it. Get it out of here. Um, so they're driving. Mm-hmm. Uh, they see this young woman who's being pursued by like a car. Mm-hmm. And, uh, a bride. She's a bride. Mm-hmm. And the car is being driven by thugs. Uh, 
and uh, Lupin rescues her, and they like. Is that when they sort of like run down the cliff together? Yeah. Yeah. I'll say this. Miyazaki, uh, great at designing uh, angry, grimaced faces. Oh, sure. Yes. So good at it. Yeah. Disgruntled, withered, frog-faced people. <laughs> There's gonna, they're only going to get weirder and I know, weirder. I know that. Like, I just know from seeing images of his movies. This is his cheapest movie, but it's very hard to do... Uh, I mean, it, it was made for 500 million yen in 1978. I don't know. Yeah, I have no idea how to translate that. I'm going to try and figure that out. But, um, uh, yeah, come on. Uh, give, me, give me, you know, like, this is the la- this is Clarice. Right, but it's like, who who is this lady? Why were sure. they chasing after her? Right. And uh, he sort of how did I lose her? in a very subtle way to, like, early on that he has this sort of, like, past relationship yeah, with he, her. Right. And I really like is. how he they set that up. Right. Where even he's not telling his friend and they, they kind of wrestle each other. Right. To, like, get him out of, like, get the info out of him. Because he doesn't want to talk about what he's done before. Right, right. He wants to stay focused on the future. Sure. But it's clear there's a reason he knows about this castle. There's a reason that she's reminding him of something. Right. Spoiler alert, he, like, because he, well, he eventually confesses that he tried to invade this castle yeah. years ago when he was more of a greenhorn, you know, when he was new to the thieving biz. Greenhorn? You never heard that phrase? No. I'm going to make sure I'm using it right. Greenhorn. Yeah. Greenhorn, informal, North American, a person who is new or inexperienced at a particular activity. Wow. A greenhorn. Mater. Uh, the horn of a newly slaughtered animal. That's, oh, that's it's it literally referring to a green, a horn that is fresh. Uh, or po- this is a, that's one hypothesis for where it comes from. Another is the the German expression "grün hinter den Ohren," which means to be green behind the ears. Wow! You learn something new every day. That is crazy. Did you know that, Ben? Have I you did. heard that phrase? Yep. Yeah. yeah, green horn. I know I want to make a movie that's like a green horn versus a blue beard. What was the, uh, oh, Blue Flame special? That's the other one we couldn't really figure out. Yeah. Uh, the uh, Point Break thing. I've since seen a lot of people dig into it. They never came up with an answer. No. They gave us answers, but it would only provoke more questions. Yeah. Like, they'd be like, oh, it means he has Blue Flame shooting out of his ass. And right. I'm like, well, what does that mean? Where'd that come from? It means from? special. It's right there in the name. Um... Clarice? He didn't want to talk about it because it's like, you know, uh, much like DJ Khaled, uh, all Lupin III does is win. He's never chalked up a big L. All he does is win. It's another one for him. And this was a failure of his. Cagliostro beat him. Can we just talk about DJ Khaled for like one second? Yeah, you, because you recently... You had never seen DJ Khaled until the SNL performance. I'd never seen him perform. And Obviously, I'd seen him in, like, GIFs and stuff. No, same here. And you always I, hear him in his songs. No, that, no, no. I didn't know about that. Right. Oh. That's what David wants to talk about. I thought that he did something. He does nothing. Oh, he does nothing. <laughs> no, but what the fuck? He's no, a producer. I refuse. He throws okay. a party. He essentially throws a party, and I, he goes like, you're invited to this song, <laughs> and then has seven massively successful and talented artists. Just take turns, and he stands there and goes like, he's like a ringmaster. Well, there's a tradition to that in hip hop. Yes, of there, there is. being like like very like prominent producers who Agreed. put out their own album and then curate 
the Understood. artists, you know, Understood. who go on the track. He I get is that. kind of an ultimate heightening of it, though. But he's in the terms worst of version. How much he makes the himself version. the star of the thing, right? And how bad the songs how, are, <laughs> and also how little work he does. Yes, like yes. usually yes. it's a little more towards the middle in terms of like, but really it's about these other people, right. and also I'm very hands on. And he's just sort of like, hey, next Thursday at four o'clock, if you're free, can you come by? We're just gonna have the mics on. And so, then, like, Lil Wayne shows up. Here's what I'd known about And then drops his verse, and then he's, like, cool. All of his shit's just improvised, where he just goes, like, number one. Improvised? That is an insult to Del Close or whoever the fuck. He gets very defensive when people are, like, you don't really do anything. And he's, like, that. try listening to those songs without my interjections. Probably they'd be bad, because they're bad. Yeah. So here's what I first knew about him, that there were like gifts of him saying like, congratulations, you played yourself. And I'm like, oh, he's like a big guy with a beard. Right. And I guess that's his vibe that he tells people that they played themselves. Right. Tapped I don't even... out after the third wing on Hot Ones. Well, that's something he's I learned. No, 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 no. We're he... getting to that. Okay. We're getting keto, to that. Keto. We're getting, like, okay. We're getting to that too. Because he started out local radio DJ. He yeah, was actually right. spinning records, introducing songs. I didn't really songs. know that, but I learned right. that later. Also started out skinny. Is that true? Yeah. Really? He's fairly handsome when he's young. Oh. Out of Miami, correct? Correct. Yeah. Um, that's I'm so glad that DJ Khaled is now occupying real estate in the fucking castle. <laughs> of Gagliostro? Yeah. So, like, I guess I first just initially thought, like, he's either on a reality show or a musician right. and has built up some sort of a brand as someone who tells you that you played yourself. He's sort of a calm, large man who says, congratulations, you played yourself. I thought he then, No. <laughs> you can talk in a second. A very specific then I knew that there to... was something to do with keys. <laughs> I didn't know what exactly, but I knew that he like either gave you keys or had a key. I don't even know this. He gives out keys? It's, I don't even he's always under... talking about fucking keys. It's like he's the key maker. He invented where he's like keyed up is like some kind of positive Weird. sort of like thing he invented. I don't remember. Like Matrix Reloaded? No. It's not. It's I not wish the, it was like it's, that. It's He's not, not the key master. The key master. Okay. Key master, rules. right. Yeah. Right. No, and he also wrote a self-help book. Okay. So what I was going to say is I right, felt all like. all I do is win. That's all his bullshit. Right? I felt like right, he was pivoting right. into like Andrew WK territory of being like this weird pseudo sure. motivational speaker. Sure. Uh, but now I don't. I, I don't think he's like moved away from that somewhat. Or I think people don't like that he doesn't eat. Uh, you know, he doesn't go down on women. All right. Well, he so does not perform kind of. Like here's them. the yes. thing. So then I learned. No, he has something to do with keys. Yes. Then I know about maybe like songs like "All I Do Is Win." I, I realize like, oh, he's involved. I at least have heard of that song, right? Sure. Like you know, these things like that. Then I'm like, I guess he's a musician. And he has albums and he's famous. And for me to not know who a musician is is not that weird. Same here. I'm not that keyed in. Same here. Keys. Okay. Anymore. Well, okay. Then I hear that he famously doesn't eat pussy, and I'm like, "That's insane." One, two. It's weird. And then I watch the clip, and I'm like, "He's proud of it." Like, this is what also, is this? This is when I take note as well. Exactly. This is then, when he's got my and then his attitude. Sucks. I don't do that because no one knows what he is. Like, and really, he's what he does? About, like, he's the king, That's and I'm like, it. "What kind of fucking bullshit is this?" And and they say like, "But what about your wife? Isn't she the queen?" And his only response to that is, "Yeah, but I just don't do that." Yeah, right. Which I'm just like, okay, so he's obviously a, an asshole, a very generous man, right? And then you're telling me things like. You know, the wings thing. And I'm like, okay, so he's just like a charlatan. He's right. like pulled the the wool over all our He eyes. taps out after wing three and then spends the remaining 20 minutes explaining why he didn't lose. Yeah, we discussed this on a Patreon It's a logical episode, fallacy. If you guys, yes. right. Yeah, not right. everyone would have listened to that. Right. Um, 
So, uh, so then, all right. Then finally, the day comes. Mm-hmm. He's on Saturday Night Live. And the his television his, program. They said I'd never make it. <laughs> sure. DJ Khaled and SL. And I'm like, like he's okay. had this narrative for like 10 years. They wouldn't book him on the show. And now I finally get to prove my it's point. It's the finale. Big deal. You know, uh, Paul Rudd is hosting. It's Ant-Man. a fairly bad episode. Very bad. Uh, kind of a waste of Rudd. Yeah. Uh, opens with this incredibly lackluster Trump sketch, even by their things, where oh, they sing Don't Stop Me Now. I would argue the two funniest sketches in the episode were the DJ Khaled performance. <laughs> Right. So I was after, busting a gut. You know, after like a lackluster 35 minutes, right. you know, I guess it's time for DJ Collins. He and comes like, out dressed. Here I am. I'm finally going to see a song by him. He is dressed like an uncle at Margaritaville. <laughs> right? 100%. Yeah. 1,000%. Yeah. And he proceeds to invite other rappers onto the stage. They rap and he points at them, says their name. And then after they say something, says yes. And we're talking like 10 rappers per song. Yeah, and we're also yeah, talking. Yeah. And they're like, I've heard of some of them. Some of them I haven't, but I assume right. they're big deals, right? Like right. some of them I know. We're also at this point talking about an SNL performance from three months ago. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm just like, how can this be? I understand. How did this guy Trump is president? A like, role in spies in disguise. That is, that's just, that's, a, that's th- just th- a shame. This is the core of our confusion. It's just a shame. You're telling me, so so immediately I go, this guy's got so little talent. Yeah. He's in the first credit block for Spice in Disguise. First credit Who block. did he have to go down on in order to get that part? <laughs> no, he won't do but it. But then you tell me. He won't do it. Whose hot wings did he have to eat? None. You tell me. <laughs> He's not eating neither wings nor vagine. <sighs> How did he get this role? Get the man. And here's another thing. For a guy who, on the record, doesn't eat a lot of things. Sure. How to get that girth? He's a big guy. He's, He's a, a big, big guy. guy. But I'm not going to, I'm not going to. But every time I see I'm him no on camera, he's saying, I won't size. eat that. <laughs> Fair enough. That's all I'm saying. Uh, he's established a brand of, I won't eat that. But like, I, I kind of, I don't, I'm cool with the, the, that he's a big guy because I kind I feel like it's a good look. He's kind of got that sort of Don vibe, you know, yeah, like. He's kind of Don vibe. You know what I mean? Yes. He rocks the fuck out of a sweatsuit. Yeah, he's got the sweatsuits. He's got the big beard. Like, he's got a good look. Uh-huh. But he comes out. People are just coming on stage and doing work. He's yeah. introducing them and saying, he's like someone at like a fucking cotillion, like <laughs> announcing like, Mr. and Mrs. Blah, you know, he's right? Like, As they come in. He's the bar the mitzvah DJ. The Count of here. He is a bar mitzvah DJ bringing up relatives to yes, light the candles. That's what he is. And then here's Anthony. Here's what a fool I am. <laughs> oh, boy. I love I this. I watched this first performance yeah. and I'm so baffled that I'm like, maybe that's You had a meltdown just, on Twitter. I did. And I'm like, and people are just tweeting at me like, DJ Khaled, keys. And I'm like, yeah. this is not helpful, but I guess you're all in on the joke. Um, which is, I guess, how we just proceed with society now where someone gets famous and rather than us being like, how did this happen? We're just like, I guess that's funny that they're existing. But it Ben said also, like, he made this transition. What really blew him up in the last four or five years was his, like, skill at social media and turning himself into this brand and this vague life coach. Right. But then he's also like, no, but I insist that you take me serious as a musician. Yeah, that he's now weirdly got a huge chip on his shoulder. Right, but he only points to people. Right. But here's what a fool I am. A fool. Yeah. Is that I watched that first performance, was so baffled, and was like, you know what? I guess that was probably just one of his songs that's heavy on the featured artists. And maybe for the second song. Like 99.9% Maybe for the second song, it'll be more of like a Khaled. He'll point to himself. Yeah. Finally. Maybe he has a verse. Yes. A a mere verse. He does not rap. 
The second one could start. It's the same fucking thing. At one point, he says Saturday Night Live, yeah. which is the show he's on. I've been watching the show for an hour plus. I know what the show is. I had, in his defense, I had forgotten about <laughs> So that. you were like, oh, you locked in. You're like, oh, yeah. this is right. This is Saturday <laughs> right. Night Live. Right. right. Um, just, I don't understand it. He has never rapped. Okay. He, I mean, he used to congratulations actually. Congratulations to him. I don't know. He used to actually spin the records himself. Sure. He right. does not either at this point. Yeah. Okay. He is not a very hands-on producer. No. His the the basics of his job are inviting the people. Literally, like if you're free on Thursday, we're having a cookout. Well, he has come on by whenever it's. He good. has engineers make the track for him, right. right? And then he invites the people over. Which at this point, it's like he's got a golden Rolodex, right? And then he fucking calls out who is the person rapping at that moment. Which look, as someone who's listened to rap music my whole life, yeah. Sometimes, especially when you're younger days. You might hear a verse and be like, you know, I don't know who this is. Like, uh, maybe like the song would have like three artists featured and take you a while to figure out who each but, of them was. But someone like your Dr. Dre, yeah. okay? The good Dr. Dre, PhD, started out as a rapper of his own. Yeah. Produced, was hands-on producing. Sure. When he would pick a new person, he might take a verse. Right. When he had his own albums, he'd have a lot of featurings. But you knew how his music it was. You know what he sounded like. You knew what no. he was adding to the the jumble. So DJ Khaled is basically like the voice on my like wireless earphones that's like connected to David's iPad. Correct. Right. And, and then he's like DJ Khaled, Meek Mill, and I'm like, okay, that's DJ Khaled was speaking, and he announced Meek Mill. And it's like if the voice on your Bluetooth headphones was like, by the way, I am the artist of this song, not right. the Beatles. and I'm great. Right. You're like, no, I'm listening to the White Album. It's like, I know, but through my headphones. Yeah, I'm giving it to you. This is mine. <laughs> Let's talk about the plot of Castle Cagliostro. <laughs> Probably a good ad point there, right? Yep. Uh, what a good ad break that was. You've got Clarice. Yeah. She's going to get married. She's actually quite shy and retiring. Uh, you got the Count. Uh-huh. A great villain. Oh, boy. This, this guy, guy is a jerk. <laughs> what? What a grumpus this guy is. He's a real grump. Talk about a chingus. Beautiful. No, chungus. Chungus. Sorry. Not chingus. I don't know what a chingus would be. Uh, he's a big chungus. Uh -huh. Got a big purpley, right? Like a jacket, right? Like that's, Yeah. That's sort of his vibe. A wide frog face. Uh, which, as you say, is just... Um, uh, a Miyazaki special. Yeah, right. He's very, like, for someone who is bad at faces, what a face. Well, he kind of makes that into his, like, uh, maybe he's bad at uh, your conventional faces. I mean, but th also, I was the say, look, his on, wedding look. His wedding look. <laughs> that was my look for the wedding to Forky. When you married Forky, <laughs> I was wearing the fucking purple cape, <laughs> uh, purple cape and, goat like, a horns. hood of Bahamets or whatever yeah. this goat yeah. god is. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he's got yeah, he's got kind of a, the red jacket, purple, ready, you know, and then later yeah. he has more of a sort of like uh, military uniform, like a sort of red coat, right? right. Like with the with the gold right. buttons. Um, Count, he's a jerk. Yes. Um, and Lupin does the classic. I am going to steal Clarice. I'm calling from you. I'm calling it. I'm throwing down the gauntlet. I'm stealing Clarice. He brings in this Goman. time is the greatest treasure of all. A woman whose love you do not deserve. Um, obviously, the Count is like mass producing fake currency at right. his castle. So there is that. Which, but Lupin doesn't really care about that. Well, the but inspector he also, cares about that's that. That's the thing. But yeah. he knows that the inspector is going to follow him wherever he goes. Yes. And he knows that by bringing the inspector's attention. Chaos. Stir up some chaos. Yeah. But I do love that. Right. He's like, cool. The plan is get the samurai guy. Get Goemon. Yeah. He'll chill with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
figured out immediately that lady is my old romantic rival, right. uh, Fujiko. So like, but that's what I like about Goemon and Fujiko is both of them sort of have that like Namor Fantastic Four relationship, right? Where they're like, I got my own thing going on, but sure. I have my own legacy to uphold, right? Sometimes we can work together right. if it benefits both of us, but sometimes you might think I'm working for you, right? But I ain't. Um, exactly. And then he tips off the inspector. Yeah. For who works for Interpol. What a boss move. Yeah. Just be like, hey, uh, this is a uh, Lupin the third calling for the uh, inspector. I uh, just want to give you a heads up that I'm about to steal some stuff. Call me back when you get a chance. Um, on my landline or on my cell. And the inspector is just like wants to get Lupin. That's his goal. Uh, which once- I, I mean, God. One of those things I just love anytime that someone's life is devoted to catching someone. It's one of my favorite storytelling tropes. Especially when you know he can't. Yes. You know, like the eternal frustration, right? Like there's something sort of lovely about that. The great characters in the annals of storytelling. You're Wiley Coyote. We love him. You're Inspector. We respect. Uh, Carl Tart's the chief. Gumshoes, uh, Officer Hanratty, catch me if you can. Sure. Any of these, any of these guys who are just like defined by like I'm this close, and the guy always gets away from me. Right. Um, and then there's all kinds of business. Yeah. In the castle, mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember what. Ha- I guess it's like he makes it to Clarice. He's got her ring, her special ring, and he sort of announces to her, he's like, "I just want you to know, I got a whole plan going on. Yeah, I'm gonna totally I'm rescue getting you out of here. here. Right. And explains to her like I'm a thief." I rule. And she's like, like the James Conn movie. And he's like, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to pinch you. Yeah. He pinches her. Um, and that, I mean, I just like, the, he gets dropped down a trap door. I'm just trying to remember if anything big else big happens before he gets dropped down a tent. So apart from this a bunch is, of cool This shit. is an area in which this movie started to really get me all jazzed up. Because it's a cool old castle. Well, this is what I was going to say. Mm-hmm. The Fantastic Four movie that's existed in my mind since I was fucking 12 years old that I like tried to write in high school and right. all these things. Right. The whole big idea was that the third act was like... At Doom's Castle? Yeah, and it was like this. And he's playing uh, I Want You Back. That was a part of it. Right. Uh, pre. Uh, I just like that idea. I mean, it could be a different song. I just like the idea that he's playing the pop song that Reed used to like. That was it. Was that they were college right. roommates yeah. and that he, while he was trying to study, would be forced to listen to Reed play I Want You to Rap back over and over again and so he Marvel. would torture him. I'm just saying. This is pre-Guardians of the Galaxy. I know, but I'm just saying, Marvel, like, you have it now. They're going to eventually enter the fucking world. Do you know how many friends, like, uh, like called me up and texted me after Guardians came out? And they were like, hey, that, right, I want you back. Right, yeah. Because I'd be like, no, but it's like a superhero movie, but they use, like, pop songs because they were obsessed with the pop song. Right. I'm not giving myself any credit. I'm just saying. No, I mean, someone was going to do it eventually. It's someone's going to do it eventually. Right. Um, but the idea of aesthetically classic castle, right. history of this country, right. but all the weird, like, trap, sort of, like, uh, death maze, mm-hmm. uh, uh, mechanical. Like, when they have that, like, extendo bridge yeah. and all the trap doors in the tunnels, I was like, I want to see a fucking superhero movie that ends with four superheroes in, like, a fucking old-school stone castle awesome. that has weird robot traps and like buzz saws, elevators, buzz saws, doom clockwork, bots, doom bots, all of that shit. And so, like when I was like, "Oh, this fuck. also has like crazy soldiers with like knife hands right. and armor." So like I was just, jam- I was like, "This is the movie that's existed in my head since sure. I was like an adolescent." Right. And now I'm watching this fucking gentleman thief. <laughs> 
See, I had a similar. Own this town. I had a similar kind of thought, but I yeah. was like Mega Man. Love Mega Man. Oh, interesting. And how you could like, I don't know, like I just think that's, that's such what Mega an interesting Man is. property. Right, and right. just like, like how could they we are, plug it in? Working like, on a Mega Man movie? Are they really? I think so. I think is. they have to be. There's a new TV show. Oh, uh, maybe that's there has it. to be a Mega Man movie in the works. You got to do Mega Man X. But, Tommy Lee Jones has to play Boomer Kawanga. But also, so much of uh, Mario is the the Bowser's castle. I mean, just right, these yeah. these sort of like here's an incongruous kind of character type yes. placed into a weirdly like stylized castle. Yeah, supposedly Henry Juice and Ariel Shulman are working on. Oh, all for it. Love Nerve. Weird. You ever seen Nerve? I haven't seen Nerve. Oh, I gotta hit the nerve. Do I gotta hit that nerve? Yeah, you'd love it. You'd love it. Okay. I also think Paranormal Activity three uh, is fantastic. I agree with you on that. I and saw that's that them one. too. Yeah. Um, they also did Paranormal Activity four, which is less fantastic. Didn't see. But, and Catfish, uh, of course. And of course, Catfish. Of course, Catfish. Uh, but if Nerve you, is great. If you carry a bunch of copies of Nerve, you could say you have a lot of Nerve. I mean, yeah. And you know what? You could say if I if I stole one from you, if I like shoplifted, I just sort of pickpocketed one from you. Taking my last nerve? No. Well, I what? pinched a nerve. It was worth it. It was, was worth it. It was not bad. Not bad at all. Not bad at all. Better than Ben's thing, which by the way was a catastrophe. But but got there. <laughs> one thing I like, I remember uh before we get to the trapdoor, right, is when Lupin's like on the other tower. Mm-hmm. And he's got this gadget that he's going to use. Uh, yeah. He's trying to light it. Yeah. And then it just all falls apart. And he has he just runs down and does crazy jumps. Very Mario-esque sort of crazy yeah. platform jumps from castle to castle. And then climbs up the wall. But I also love... I think Miyazaki loves all that physicality. He loves parkour. Like, yeah. I love that he like... He's somewhat of a Bugs Bunny figure. Yes, he is. In that he's just like this little fucking stinker. He's super chill, but he's often kind of right at the edge of sanity. or Right, right. Yeah. right. And it's like he's high status because he kind of remains unfazed. Yes. But he's also usually in danger and, and near, not succeeding. Near death. Yes, near death. Right. And often things are going wrong. Right. He just takes weird things out of his pockets. His jacket's full of firecrackers. Like, it'll work out. Right. It'll be fine. But also... The, the like the Bugs Jack Bunny full thing. firecrackers is an amazing amazing yeah. the Bugs Bunny thing of like sometimes like Daffy's kind of an ally sure and sometimes he's totally an enemy right like Bugs constantly has like a couple people on his tail and a couple people who like their allegiances could shift right and I was like Lupin the Third is just like Bugs Bunny in a clean suit good tank and he if that's your way it. in yeah it's a great way in yeah and when they're running, I just feel like the running feels yes. so like Hanna-Barbera mm-hmm. to move to a different cartoon world just because I'm trying to fucking build well, a bridge about wacky between races, the American you know? cartoons that I loved and these movies that I've always sure. had a hard time getting into. Sure. But I just feel like when Lupin's like running away from shit, the like flailing arms and legs and mm-hmm. everything feels very like uh, a Scooby and Shaggy running out of well, the Well, also, yeah, and like, uh, what's it called? Um, uh, Gigan get it being like, I got this gigantic gun all of a sudden, yeah. right? Where he's like, that'll deal with it. You can yeah. tell like an anti-tank gun. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's comical. And the stylization of Gigan just like constantly like, you never see the top half of his head. Right. Oh, he you know? has a, right. uh, like a right. bent the, the, like, gun lid. It's always like about to fall out. Yeah, it's cigarette. mostly ash. Like all of that sort of like defying physics. Right. Yeah. Um, But I guess so the inspector arrives at the same time. He gets put down a trap door. 
So they're both now down. And Lupin gets put down the trap door. And you know I love any story in which rivals have to work together. They're Me forced. Too. I fucking love it. To work together. Lupin goes down the trap door and he's basically just sort of like waits for the inspector to show up. Because yeah. he's like, oh, he's probably I, here. Yeah. He's sort of just yeah. tapping his watch. There's skeletons. Skeletons? Bunch of skeletons. Ugh. Skeletons? Who have like carved their own like yeah. headstones and then died. Bunch of bones, man. I love uh, it. Love that. What was the last good haunted castle movie? Good question. It was a big question I kept asking myself watching this. That's a world we should be living in more. I Haunted just Googled castles. movies set in castles. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing how the internet always tries to rise the occasion for you, you know? Castlevania wasn't good, right? The I TV show? Yeah, I don't know. I just know there I think was a it Castlevania wasn't that good, thing. but I mean, if they made a Castlevania movie, you could have a lot of fun with that. I mean, yeah. I mean I, I'm into any castle property. Mm-hmm. Give me, you're, I, there's nothing. Right? I don't fucking know. There's nothing. We need more castle movies. I mean, it's probably like Howl's Moving Castle. Wow. It's probably the last good movie with a castle. Yeah. Um, even like, yeah, we're not even getting those like English. I mean, Game of Thrones. I guess that kind of sat on castle territory oh, for a yeah. long time. You know what I mean? There is that show Castle, too. Is that about Oh, castles? that was the last great. <laughs> of course, that was the last great castle. Um, you know. Nathan I'm, Philly and the answer was in front of us all. <laughs> of course. Because I'm looking the up these castle, castle lists, and it's all like horror movies from the 60s. You yeah. know, it's your Vincent castle Price freak. type movies. Right. Pit, Pit and the Pendulum. Pit and the Pendulum. 13 movie. Ghosts, the original, not the remake, yeah, which I no, believe I is not set. There was that weird rush of Vincent Price yeah, remakes. Yeah, so many, ma- yeah, there's right. Mask of Red Death. So many Haunted Vincent- Hill was a Vincent oh, Price. Oh, you mean the remakes. Right, right that's yeah, what I'm saying, yeah. 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 Right, right. Um, the Keep is on this list. Man, Vincent Price rules. Yeah, he's cool. Yeah. Dr. Phoebes, you ever see that? No, I've always wanted to. Oh. believe that's the movie that Kumail shows Zoe Kazan in um, uh, The Big Sick. It is. As his like special movie. And I saw uh, Big Sick with my sister Romley. Sure. And when he said, like, uh, you know, do you want to go back to my place and watch a horror movie? I just felt at my bones and I said, I bet you it's going to be a bond old Dr. Phoebes. Hell yeah. And she was like, what did you just say? And then it cut to the screen. I was like, I called and she was like, nothing you're saying matters. Shut up. <laughs> Quiet. I'm watching a film. Why do you feel enjoy proud the movie. of yourself? Right. Hey, David. Come I have on, a question blank about check. the movie. Mm. Can you explain the counterfeiting and the oh, history this of the my money question and stuff? Well. Please explain while I, I eat I, another bagel piece. I couldn't really understand it, or I kind of did, but I couldn't grasp it hundred percent. I feel right. like you're the rule. What are you? Man. What are you trying to? What are you asking me? I don't understand. What's you know? You guys don't get counterfeiting. Well, no. Why is, counterfeiters? There, why is there like a, it's been going on for 5,000 years? And well, Why think, is this in their family history? Well, yeah. I think the idea is it's like they're their own country, so no one can prosecute them because they okay. are like themselves. They're diplomatic community. Right. And it's like the only people who could prosecute them would be like the police of Cagliostro who are owned by the family. Right. Like, you know, it's like. Sure. a. So that's why Interpol in, in this movie is like, we can't do anything about it. It's not. You know, it's not crossing borders, so like it's not our problem. But then it's implied what was that? What's actually going on is that a lot of countries are buying the counterfeit money, and so they want to keep it hush hush. You know, oh, what I mean? so they're the in exact, on the grift. That is yeah. the answer I wanted. Okay. I did not. Pick I didn't, is there's that, that crazy scene where there's all the diplomats at Interpol with mm-hmm. like little flags on their lapels mm-hmm. talking to each other, yeah. and the inspector's trying to be like. This guy has like a printing press and he makes counterfeit money of like every country. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, but you know, it's like, you know, who's going to prosecute him? And like, 
I don't know. And then someone's like, and also the Soviet Union totally bought some. And the Soviet Union guy is like, these are Western lies. And okay. like, you know, I think he's he's like mocking the Cold War and the, yeah. right? Like all that stuff. And then Lupin steals all their little flags, right? Uh, <laughs> there's that moment where he makes the flower for the girl and yeah. he pulls all the flags. Yeah, yeah. He's like a close-up magician. He does. He's one of those. That's That's confidence. That you flirt using close-up magic, that is high confidence. Can we talk about, I don't know if this is like uh, just like an obvious uh, uh, stand-up routine that everyone's doing now. Right. Uh, uh, Dylan Butler, uh, buddy lives in Toronto. Okay. I saw him a couple months ago, and he was talking about how he was re-watching the X-Men cartoons. Love him. Which I know you're a big fan of. And he was like, it is very sobering to re-engage with 90s X-Men as an adult. And realize that Gambit is the kind of guy you would move away from at a bar. Yeah, Gambit's a problem. That as like a child, you're like, this is the apex of cool. And as an adult, you're like, he's constantly wearing a duster indoors. He insists on doing magic tricks. Yes, he does. He calls all women like darling and sweetie. Yes, his eyes are red. Yeah. (laughs) No, but I mean, Gambit Like Gambit's like a pickup artist. Yes, he is. But even at the time, Gambit was a person that only children thought was cool. Like, That's even when so Gambit weird. was introduced, I yeah. feel like older fans were like, this guy is corny. Yeah. But kids were like, Gambit's cool. I want to be Gambit right? when I grow up. Yeah. And so X-Men were like, all right, more Gambit. And then people were like, no. And X-Men was like, fine, less Gambit, less. I, I take my duster off. <laughs> I hang up my playing cards. <laughs> I should mention, has been dressed like Gambit this entire episode. And he keeps throwing playing cards at my head. He's got that weird, like, head Calling sock Calling me Mon on. Ami. Right. Where, like, it just covers the back of your neck. <laughs> he's got a weird costume. Right, because he's got that. Th- do his ears go- poke through. His ears poke through and his hair pokes out. Right. Um, uh, the new his season. whole face is visible. It's his neck and the back of his head. But his face is like he's got like a window. It's framed. For his face. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's yeah. very strange. New season of Wolverine podcast. He's going to make an appearance. Is that true? Yeah, because they're now. It was in Alaska. Then they're going back to when he Look was in um, cool. New Orleans. Yeah. Okay. He's gen- he is a, he is a classic gentleman thief. Gambit. He is. He's that archetype. Yeah. Do you know who is playing uh, Gambit? Have you Don't. submitted yourself? No. You could be Gambit. Ben could sound like Gambit. Could he not? Sure. I mean, I Mo think Sha- I Mo Shari. Yeah, oh, come on. That was He's perfect. Not a pi- <laughs> perfect. That was perfect. <laughs> he just went Mo Shari. Oh my God! You can do it too. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure that the Gambit. Mo <laughs> What's this? Uh, Mo Shari. Uh. There should be a pirate X Man. There should. There's never been one. Cutthroat. Sounds That'd good. That'd be a good name for an X-Men, right? I love it. Little intense, but I love it. Yeah. Oh, oh yes. X-Men never have intense names. <laughs> never have characters whose hands are knives. Yeah, Warbird. Uh, love Warbird. And Warpath as well, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of war X-Men. Mm-hmm. That's true. Warpath. He's yeah. uh, Thunderbird's brother. Anyway, this has been another episode of X in the City. <laughs> love it. Should have an X-Men podcast. Um, David, do you realize, if you just wanted to... Every one of these things you say, you could just start your own little fucking like seventeen podcast. Like you do your every level That's Mario. That's if things really start getting in trouble for me. Then I'm like, okay, we're doing the every level Mario. Right. We're doing Donkey Kong Country three. Yeah. We're doing an X Men podcast. Why is there another one? Uh, no, I mean that's okay. a good start. Um, they make a pact down in the dungeon together. Mm-hmm. They overpower the assassins together. They escape. 
Enemy uh, of my enemy is my friend. The cool sequence with the frogmen. Yes. You know, where Lupin oh. takes them down underwater and then like pulls the henchmen underneath. All these and henchmen suits are so cool. The so fucking cool. wet crime in this is off the charts. <laughs> it's so good. Very good Damn sea, dungeon sea, crime. Sea crime. Yes, dungeon this crime. This movie's got some DDC. It's got a moist, a moist energy to it right. throughout. It's um, got moist felonies. Um and uh, they get in that whirly gig, the auto gyro, you know, right. to start a whole like um uh distraction. Which I'm a neophyte, but I immediately go, well, this is some Miyazaki shit. The Definitely. fact that they're in some crazy he likes, he likes, aerial vehicle. I was like, this is this is his thing. Aero birds. Yeah. Um and uh what was I gonna say? This is this is where like um Lupin's almost gonna rescue her. He gets mm-hmm. shot. Yeah, she trades the ring to save to his save life. his life. She said, "Marry me, keep him alive." And then Fujiko fucks everything up, so Lupin gets to escape. Yeah, um, but you know, it, it basically means that we get to have the cool, awesome final set piece, right? Which is like them disrupting the wedding and the inspector using Lupin as like a way in right. to investigate the counterfeiting, which is what he really cares about at this point. Right. Which I love that. I yeah. love the whole Interpol thing. I love that whole weird subplot. Yeah. I love that Lupin is his ally in that in doing crimes, he can investigate Lupin adjacent crimes. Yes. I love all that. But he always thinks I'm going to, on top of it, get Lupin. I'm not uh, settling for Lupin yeah, adjacent crimes. Right. But you know, and which, which as I think you love too, as we're talking about any movie about like a cop criminal relationship right. or whatever, where it's the like. The thrill is the hunt. Yeah, the movie's going to end with Lupin getting away and the cop chasing him and being like, hey, I'll get you, you know, like, and it's like the eternal, right. Yes, right. Uh, he wouldn't know what to do with Lupin if he got him. Lupin would just escape anyway. I imagine much like Wile e. Coyote and Roadrunner, he would eat him. Is that, is that, is there ever one where he just feasts on Roadrunner? There's the one where they kind of break There has to be. The there format, always is one, right? And they like, cut yeah. out from the short to two children watching it on TV. Uh-huh. And they go like, why is he so hung up on catching this guy anyway? And Wiley Cody stops and it's the only one in which he speaks. Uh-huh. He's like, oh, I'm so sorry this wasn't clear. And he takes out like a screen and he explains the like hungry. tenderness of the meat. <laughs> in like a very like formal professorial right, voice. Right, he direct right. addresses these two children watching their like right. shitty TV screen. Right. And he's like, uh, many hypothesize that the Roadrunner has the most succulent breast. That's really funny. I've it's never great. seen it. It's great. It was that one of those things awesome. that like broke my brain of when course. I was four. Like when they make Ultra Zord. I've done a lot of those. But you know when you were a kid, like when there's, you don't know things. Yeah. And you would just watch Power Rangers every week and then one week they I didn't made, because I, I wasn't allowed to watch. I'm just saying it's similar. Okay, like, go along One with week they would make Ultra Zord. Like In what? Power Rangers. I don't know because I wasn't allowed to watch that. And you were like, what's this now? Because every week yeah. Power Rangers would end with them making Megazord. Right. And Megazord would take out the sword and smash the villain and it would die. Yeah. And uh, and then one week they do something different and you're like, you can do something different? I just Oh, sure. My thing was always talking about like being so obsessed with like the format and structure of things. Once that was cleanly established, anytime they would like break the format like that. Yeah. Or like the Steve Martin episode of The Muppet Show where they're like, show's canceled. And the whole episode's about them not putting on a show. Right. Like anything like that. Was the Gethard Show where the whole episode was them preparing to do The Gethard Show. That rules. Sounds really good. That's my kind of jam. There's an episode of Garfield and Friends where Garfield, like in the opening, 
is talking about his like antagonistic relationship with the mailman. Sure. And the mailman's like, you know what? I, I quit. You win, Garfield. Right, right. You have broken me. Right. You've broken my spirits. I'm a shell of a man. Mm-hmm. My wife doesn't even recognize me anymore. You fucking win. Have fun. Sure. And then the mailman just like walks off frame. And Garfield's like, uh, I'm sorry. This is really embarrassing. I don't know what the episode is now. <laughs> and he walks off the set of Garfield and Friends <laughs> and into the this. animated back lot. Uh-huh. And he has to, like, plead with the mailman to come back into the episode. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah, it won a Peabody. Did it? No. <laughs> it won a Griffey, though. Ben's uh, checking his phone. I was yeah. really obsessed with uh, sending people to Abu Dhabi. That was, like, a thing for me. Because uh, then there's also this Velvet Underground song off of White Light, White Heat, where mm-hmm. it's, a, like, a weird spoken word track where a guy mails himself to his girlfriend. Okay. I just something about the aesthetic of putting yourself in a box and then being mailed. That's, that's literally funny. the thing you like is prison puts himself in a box and ships himself to a foreign country. I think that's very funny. Yeah, that Someone really mailing I, themselves honestly, somewhere is always fun. Yeah. That should be a new archetype. Yeah, the guy who mails himself. The mailer, Damon? The what? It's just weird. The way you guys are talking about this, it's it's like you should have responded with rapturous applause and recognition when Flat Stanley entered our studio two years ago, and you guys were fucking nonplussed. He's never gotten over this. I think it was a year ago. Maybe it was two years Maybe ago. Maybe it's been a while. <laughs> the wedding. Talking about the ultimate male himself. The wedding is so great. Flat Stanley himself. The can't the, the count, wedding is great. The count is dressed like a freaking Satan worshiper. Right. There's guys with swords. Right. Uh, All his henchmen, and they got a plan, which is they're gonna come up from a platform. Oh, I love the fucking trapdoor. Th- I'm sorry, just to move back. Sure. I love the detail of the trapdoor being triggered by the bus that also takes the pictures of people as they're falling to embarrass them. Yes. That there's this like perverse like. Not only do we want to like assert our power over anyone who tries to invade our castle, right. but also we have to humiliate them and have like the spoils of the humiliation. Right. It's like a reverse splash mountain where it's like you had a miserable time and I'm gonna hang the photo up on my wall forever. <laughs> um, um, yeah. But but I love that they rise up and pretend to be the spooky haunties yes. of the murdered people from the trapdoors in the past. But of course, the Lupin is, is a it. robot. He's because Lupin up. has disguised himself as the Archbishop. Well, he gets injured very poor, very badly. He's all bloodied. Yeah. He's all bloodied. He's, he's got music. Yep. He wakes up. They're like, oh, our good friend Lupin III, he's gone. He doesn't remember anything. Right. And then uh, he's like talking to the dog. The dog the responds The tenderness of the dog moment, I could yeah. tell, is like, it's like, so sweet and I'm like oh this is gonna be stuff that he does later this is gonna be some of his his shit and that's probably what the original like Lupin you know the Snyder heads of 1960 of 1977 are like uh, yeah this is soft like why is Lupin Lupin should be a badass like why is he talking to a dog right sorry go on my Lupin lives in the real world right um, and Miyazaki's got that humanistic sort of sure. thread running through it. But the dog, and then and mentioning uh, the Princess Clarice by name, yes. uh, triggers him, and he suddenly remembers everything. Yes, what day yeah. is it? What time is it? I have to go catch. Uh, I, I, I can't let them get married. There's also that flashback of her saving his life when he was younger, and right. he tried to rob Cagliostro um, and all that. But he, he knows her. You know, She's nice. I believe he was a greenhorn at the time. Yeah, a bit of a greenhorn. Ah, uh, yes. Um, and of course, uh, you know, this is, uh, it's personal for him because it's not like he has anything 
personally to gain from this theft. He wants her to have her own freedom. He wants right. her to live her own life. He also thinks that Count's a clown. Count's wants a clown. to clown him. Yeah. Uh, right? Yeah. It wasn't clear dummy. that it was like he's going to marry her kind of thing. Right? But she's too young for him, which right. he knows. And then they yeah. deal with yeah. it in a great way. And it was like, it wasn't dealt upon. So I just kind of went there. Yeah. I think naturally you assume. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. But uh, it was handled so well. It is handled well. Yes. The whole wedding thing is just great. The whole, the, the fireworks, like you say, them pretending to be ghosts. Mummy ghost rub it. You I think mean, that he's taking the bandages from his injury right. and disguising himself when in fact he has... Somehow it's a double procured a rub it, yes. put his clothes and bandages on it, and then put on the most complex fucking, like, you know, Peter Sellers-esque <laughs> full embodiment of a character as a befuddled <laughs> priest. Yes, with a big mustache and beard. Who's terrified of ghosts and goblins. Right, and he's like, you're cursed. This is it. This is terrible. I mean, he's given a good performance. He is. He won the Oscar. They were very clear. Lupin the third one, Lupin best supporting actor. as the archbishop the in the castle of Caglios. Right. Um, and uh, then you've got this amazing sequence on the, a clock tower. Sorry. Have yeah. they ever done that? Have they ever nominated no, no. a fictional character no. for best performance? No, they have not. Like Deadpool Get? even? Well, no. No. All right. But can I say something? <laughs> How crazy would it be? If Deadpool hosted Saturday Night Live. Mm, no. Too weird. No, but like, do you know what I'm saying? Like in the middle of a Not sketch, really. it's like, excuse me, doctor. And he's like, um, yes, I'm definitely your doctor. And then he turns to the camera and he's like, nah, I'm Deadpool. <laughs> what if Deadpool was the musical act too? And he just pointed to, I don't know, other Deadpools or something. <laughs> you know what's weird? <laughs> that is crazy. And when he was doing it, he'd be like, another one. I'm doing the DJ Khaled thing. Uh, do you guys know like what's he weird? would tell you what he was doing? Do you guys know what's weird? What Disney owns Deadpool. Disney owns Deadpool. The Walt Disney Corporation. Disney owns Deadpool. That's cool. Yeah. And you know who knows it? Deadpool. That's right. Deadpool was the first to comment. He on was it. the first. That's true. Uh, and suddenly we've hit a wall. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to bring up Deadpool. Yeah. Thanks for doing that. Uh, the clock tower <laughs> sequence. <laughs> Which he does Clements know and Musker. He knows he was acquired by Disney. He knows he's I know, of course he does. Right. Clements and Musker. Great Mouse Detective. Pay homage to this clock showdown in the yeah. Great Mouse Detective. Which is also like the first uh, a real CGI set piece in an animated film. Right, right, right. Which have you course, ever seen Great Mouse Detective, Ben? I have not. Oh, fuck, Ben would like that movie. Maybe we should do Clements and Musker. Radigan? Radigan is cool. He does fuck. Disney was like in their like weird dark period where nothing was working and they were like, fuck, we've gone through most of those fairy tales. What what should we do? And they were like, what if we do our version of Sherlock Holmes and it's all mice? Cool. And it's like Victorian, like fucking British mice. Fun. And Vincent Price in one of his final performances plays Radigan, who's one of the best villains ever. Who I believe Fran Hoffner has on the record said was her first crush. <laughs> yes. Radigan. Uh, I mean, he's he's thick. He is. He is very thick. Ragan thick. Um, but yes, I mean, this is incredible. I love, I this love is it. also very like Chaplin esque. It's Chaplin esque. I mean, has, obviously, the modern times thing. It but has just, that like sort of like that little dark edge to it, and like that that shot where he cuts to like a super wide, mm -hmm. and you just see the two hands of the clock go like like that yes. to snip him. Like it's so like gross without being gross. Like right, like you know, it's like. 
it's it's just like a little perfect like yeah well and there's like stuff uh uh i mean this this is the big thing that people always cite that like japan for a very long time has understood that animation is an art form and not a genre sure and us dumb americans uh tend to uh, ghettoize as oh they are children's films exclusively not and every year when they do the fucking animated category at the oscars they almost always describe it as like and they say these movies are for children. I hate that. With this level of crafts, it's not just kids play. You know, like they always say <laughs> yeah, like no, bullshit know, like I that. Know, I know, but I this know. is a movie where you're like, this thing's got stakes. Yeah. It's about criminals. Sure. There's violence. There's guns. He bleeds a bunch. He does. There are uh, direct sexual references, not even double entendres. Oh. Fucking rules. Yeah. It's great. It's exquisite. Yeah. Lupin does give the Count the treasure. Mm-hmm. Gives him the two rings, finally. Because they've put together at this point, while trying to... there's that to, whole poppy uh, business with right. the fake ring, which we right. never talked about, which is oh. a tiny little bird that talks to him inside of it. Blows up in his explodes. face. Literally blows up in his face. They really do like to prank each other. You're right. Like, the photos, yeah. the things exploding. Um... And it turns out... But they've out, realized the, the code, the, put the rings together based off the seal. But it turns out that the treasure is actually just... the treasure. Huh? No one knows what the treasure is until this point. Yes, right. right. And it turns out it's actually this like crazy ancient Roman town that was like built underneath the castle that Cagliostro's like built over. Well, it and wasn't built under the castle. It was it like... Was, it was there. Fall of Rome. Right. Flooded. And they were like, let's just build a castle on top of this. Right. We know the flood's coming. And Lupin's like, too big a treasure for Some my Atlantis pocket. Some Atlantis adjacent. Yes. Right. Yeah. It's um, great. And then and, they get in cars and drive around. And he and he's just like, look, you got to live your life. You've been up in a castle all these years. You're just starting to figure out who you are. You're not going to come with me to scumbum territory. Right. I love that she's like, I can learn. I know I'm not a good thief yet. I can learn. Right. And right. he's like, you, I'm like the first real person you've dealt with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you got to go out there and get a larger sample size. You got to figure out who you really are. Right. I'm not going to take advantage of you because I am a gentleman thief. He's a gentleman thief. We, and we love him. And then the inspector has this weird exchange Go where on. he's like, oh, I just missed him. And she's like, don't worry. He didn't steal anything this time. Right. And he's like, how dare you say that? He stole something very valuable. Your heart. Good line. Yeah. And she's charmed by it. Right. And then they pursue each other in tiny little cars. It's a wild, another little wild little car. And they're going to have adventures forever. Right. And it's great. The movie came out and it did okay. Okay. <laughs> hey, uh, final thought. I just want to also point out, I loved the music. Yeah, it was yeah. so throwbacky, but yeah. man, it like really, yeah. it was comfortable. Yuji Ono, it's not he's not yet working with Joe Masashi, the guy who he's like, you know, mm-hmm. his guy. And also, um, did we say that the the henchmen or whatever the cops from Cagli Cagliostro, they look like like wet like thugs. They look like wet thugs. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I just want to see because I feel soggy like, crooks. Yeah, 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 soggy crooks. Right. Um... Soggy goons, I should say. Yeah, right. that's better. I'm trying to see anything about how it did in Japan, but I, yeah. it grossed, yeah, it didn't do very well. Yeah, it like, okay. it, right? It was, it, it was, grossed 600 million yen, which is like seven and a right. half million. Like, dollars. this would be viewed as a minor entry and a venerable franchise, if not for the fact that it was the film debut of. But it's special and it's influential. Right. Uh, Caglio, I mean, Spielberg supposedly saw it in the early 80s and, um, References supposedly references it in Tintin. 
I think yes. Yeah, like, I, I feel like this is very much on a similar track with Indiana Jones. Like he likes the chase sequences. He yes. likes all that Tintin sort of adventure. Tintin feels very, there. very Lupin the Third. Um, he does. You know, in a way, Lupin's yeah. more of a jerk, but yeah. it's similar sort of like. No, but the the tone of the movie overall yeah. feels very similar. Yeah. Um, and then of course, Lonzo Huckenberry himself. Yeah. Uh, said this sees this movie, it blows his fucking mind. Right. Um. Gary Trousdale, who directed Atlantis the Lost Empire, mm-hmm. said that the the scene of the waters receding to show I, the city, as you said. Yeah, had to say it. Yeah. Um had to say it. For the box office game, mm-hmm. the only thing I could think of yeah. is that it was re-released in 2017. It was re-released in 2017? Well, let's do that weekend. Oh, I should have seen it. September 8th, 2017. Wow. Number one of the movie is a movie about a killer clown. Oh, I know exactly what film this is. It's about a killer clown. Yeah. I didn't realize the Donald Trump <laughs> biopic came out that week. That's right. The orange monster himself. Yes. Uh, orange haired monster who terrorizes children. Uh, yeah. I think that film's called Trump. Mm. Where uh, is this film set? The White House? Man, Trump is so good for comedy. The, I can tell you what the theme song for that movie was. Hail to the Chief. <laughs> <laughs> just like I just want to do that all day where you it's, make no, the most obvious thing. But it's just true what they said. Every comedian is loving that he's president. He's We're so all dining fun to mock. out. We never run out of really funny for it all. He's very nuanced. That's the other thing. <laughs> Aren't you on a show about Trump? Yeah, I am. Which hopefully hasn't also been canceled by yeah, this come point. On. I think that show's doing well. I actually think that show is better than most at the uh the I agree. I think that show is very good. Trump satire, I think yeah. that show is genuinely very good. Whatever happened to the Anthony and Tamanik show? Comedy Central just sort of like, oh, oh, I don't know. Maybe it's coming back at some point. I thought they I thought it was coming back and then it never did. Yeah, they kind of did one of those. Huh. Uh, I think they let him do a special and maybe they let him do a couple be... specials and they were like, it's not canceled. We're like exploring opportunities oh, on our schedule. What? We've done this weekend because guess what was number two that weekend? It was a new entry. Well, Came in behind it. No. no. So it made 158. Detroit? Nope. But, you know, right by. In that territory. So, I mean, not. I Dunkirk? Mean, no, although Dunkirk is number eight. Um, think. Um, uh, nightmarish comedy <laughs> about uh, people hanging out in a house and chilling and having fun, learning some life lessons. This is a hard one. Nice boy. We've covered it on the show. Yeah. It's a nightmarish comedy. <laughs> I mean, no one in the movie is real or exists. <laughs> like actor-wise or character-wise? Character-wise. Does it have famous people in it? Totally. Nightmare people. <laughs> I mean, but I'm being satirical. No, I know, but I'm like, okay, so it's a movie we hate. No, I kind of like it. Really? Should it's I give good, him the ultimate it's like clue? It's good schlock. Ultimate clue? Yeah. Do, 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 do. We're going home again, baby. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, we got to cover her movie when it comes out, right? Yeah. Her Keaton movie? I emailed like five alarm, like all of my reps, and I was like, can I please? Like, I want nothing more than to be in a Hallie Meyershire, uh, uh, Michael Keaton comedy. Right. And uh, weirdly, I guess, I don't know, all of their uh, replies have just been going to spam. They must have written back to me. Uh, My career is thriving. (laughs) 
Hey, baby, you got blank check all I, the way to the top. Yeah, blank check millions. Um, <laughs> I'll be able to retire on the city we have hidden underneath our recording studio. You know, that's this our Patreon money's got to go somewhere. Our matching rings. Um, yeah, right. Uh, number three is one, a movie that doesn't exist. We've talked about it in the Home Again episode when we played this box office game. It's a comedy. What is a Shopa comedy? It's a com- We're Shut going up! over the Home Again box office weekend for this. Shut second. up! Be quiet. It's a comedy How that doesn't you. exist from 2017. Uh, sort of action comedy. Uh, it's about a job job. A, a job job. It's about a job job. It's like he's got a job job. He has a job. Yeah, it's like his job is protecting a guy with a job. Oh, it hit him in his bodyguard. <laughs> You know, it's one of those job job movies. Yeah, the Hitman's Bodyguard. Are they putting out a new thing? Yeah, Hitman's Hitman Bodyguard's, Bodyguard's wife. wife. You know, it's a wife job job. It's a wife job. Uh, number four is a horror prequel. You know prequel. what the fourth one's going to be? What? A bad man's Hitman's Bodyguard. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Superhero job job wife. <laughs> Our title's just going to be that in the future. Yeah. They're just like yeah, jargon right. that doesn't no, make it's sense. Gonna, yeah, we're going to get yeah. into the Abbott and Solitary. Like, a very merry Harold and Kumar, bad yeah, moms, right. hitman's bodyguards, wife's yeah, that's Christmas. A, like, it'll be like 3D. Batman meets bad moms. Easter. What if you take out all the bridge words? <laughs> you take out the bridge words. Batman, you don't even do like meets. Yeah. Batman, despicable me, dark yeah, tower. Right. Minions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. It bridesmaids James Bond. Steve Carell uh trick emoji Sometimes girls trip. The actor's <laughs> name. Yeah, right. What's that one? Uh Steve Carell plays an emoji who goes on the fourth girls trip in it's set in, you know, Buenos Aires. Yeah. <laughs> Chris Pratt, Madagascar, Rocky Three. It was sponsored by Sonos Beam. <laughs> I don't know. That's what it would actually be. Yeah. It would be like, yeah, like Creed 6, Sonos, Beam, ESPN, Spider-Man Homecoming, the third, right? Like, I don't, right? <laughs> anyway, number four of the box office was Annabelle Creation. Tyler Perry's Mountain Dew Baja Blast. <laughs> which, which does fit, Annabelle Creation, where it's like, yeah. okay, let's do a prequel origin story explaining a spinoff of the doll from the Conjuring movie, right? It's like we already had an Annabelle movie, but right. where? What's what's her like? What's her deal? Right. What's up with Annabelle? Right. Let's get to the creation. I mean, my favorite one of these. I've I've said it before, but that there are uh, uh, there is a prequel to the Scorpion King. Yeah, right. Which is the prequel to, to a the Mummy Returns to a spinoff. Right. Prequel to a spinoff to that a sequel was a spinoff of a sequel to, a remake. to an original of a remake. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Anyway, number five is Wind River. I don't know. I'm not giving you a call. On that one. <laughs> it's so weird that movie did so well. Did great. It's so it's such an off putting movie. It is. It, it is. came out but right when Weinstein the Weinstein Company was collapsing. Yeah, no, but it and it is, did like thirty five domestic. It did thirty five domestic. Crazy. It is at its core, um, kind of a taut August thriller. Yeah, it's a, it like an airplane Revenge. novel with a bit yeah. of a like cool western sheen. So like you know, it's like. For dead. I think it's a gross movie with like three really good elements. I do too, but I think it's like a gross movie that could not be gross with some easy fixes. I agree. Um, that's just how Shootout's it goes. Shootout's good. Action's very good. John Brenthal's great in it. Yeah, um, sure. Never let Renner go full cowboy. Yeah, definitely not. Howl's Moving Podcastle is crushing. Okay, so, so it, it looks, looks like, like you won. won. Thank, great. And tension is diffused. <laughs> there was tension? Yeah. The audience has, has not brought, oh, dropped sure, a friend. single sorry, sorry. breath since anyway, the episode started. Anyway, uh, we've got an exciting Miyazaki times ahead. What's up next week? 
Nausicaa, the Valley of the Wind. Great. Uh, I've never seen that one, obviously. Uh, no, I had tickets to go see uh, Fathom event screening uh, uh, Tuesday with our friend Ramona, and I uh, canceled due to... Due to poopage? Diarrhea. Poopery. Poopery. As general like poopery. Yeah, general poopery. Yeah, that's uh, the name of my franchise I'm starting. What if that's my new character? Your, your new potpourri franchise? General potpourri. That uh, could be a good, like, sort of, like, uh, you know, transmedia, multi-platform uh, uh, comedy character with franchise potential. Put it on the slate. Yeah, fine. Put General Potpourri's on the slate. General Potpourri. Right, yeah. Either one. Both of them. Both of them. General Potpourri meets Major well, yeah, Poopery. they got to match up. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and then you do Poopery Origins, and yeah. then Poopery meets Makes Night Eggs or yeah. whatever, right? <laughs> well, uh, Cinema's a Graveyard. <laughs> But the castle of Cagliostro was great. And Miyazaki, we're going to have a great time. Miyazaki's yeah. still working. I know. Yeah, he's got a new movie coming out. I know. Yeah. This is his fifth unretirement. Yeah. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. This is exciting. I'm really into this, this is a mini whole series. New zone. And yeah. I like being able to discover this many movies for the first time. And I'm very encouraged by how much I like this. Sure. Trying to get over a lot of my weird hangups. Yeah. We'll probably talk about them more in other episodes. Maybe. Yeah. But I think are just about how much of an animation nerd I was and how. Uh, comfortable and committed I became to American animation styles. Right. Let's say also we will be, for the first time, I want to announce that we are officially accepting fan art. There's obviously been a draconian fan art ban on this podcast. Good call. If people want to draw pictures of and us, And the gates do. are open. Although someone made a fridge magnet of me. Yeah, that, was, that was crazy. Did you see that? It was no. like sculptural. It was like it was a three D dimensional hot David a la Joe Bowen. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Which is of course David. a fully accurate representation of what I look like. Yes, uh, dead on green green button down and all. You've only become hotter hmm. than that representation. Um, but let's say the, the gates are are up. The ban is lifted. Right. We want Miyazaki fan art. Right. I want to see Ben as Lupin the Third. Hell yeah. No, ben, his, Ben's dragon. Yeah. Dragon. Right? Yeah, 100%. Yes. Yeah. I might be, I'm Goemon. So I'm Lupin. Yeah. I'm definitely Goemon because okay. I'm like, like, come on, guys. Yeah. Jesus, let's take this seriously. Right. And you're like, ah! And right. I have a big gun and I'm smoking. Right. And the inspector is uh, whoever is supposed to record after us at the Audio Boom Studios. <laughs> right, exactly. Like, These guys! <laughs> and they're just like, why are there bagel crumbs everywhere? <laughs> Been All waiting right. here for five hours. In the eternal words of David Sims, I gotta pee. So let's wrap this up. Well, please. Uh, you think that's impressive? <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, wait till you hear what my butt's been doing for the last uh, four days. Uh, thank you all for listening. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe. Thanks to Andrew Figueroa for our social media, Joe Bone and Pat Rounds for our artwork. Uh, remember to send us all your Miyazaki uh, 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 two friends and, and Ben drawings. On Twitter, or you can email us at blankcheckpodcast at gmail.com. Go to Reddit, blankies.reddit.com. Go to public. Get some Go to nerdy public. Go to public. Get some shirts. Yeah. That would be cool too if we if we had like a really good Miyazaki drawing. Maybe we'd do that. Maybe we'd sell a shirt that was like us in the style of Miyazaki. Hundred you know percent. I'm saying. Yeah. Fuck, that'd be cool. That'd be cool. Yeah. Maybe that's for sale right now. Maybe this is the encouragement for someone to now put pen to paper and and start that, or I don't know, stylus to tablet. Remember how I had to be? Yeah. So in conclusion, <laughs> uh, tune in next week for Nazca Valley of the Wind. Yep. And as always, finish my bagel here. David, struggling to pick up the bagel. David, you could go to the bathroom. No, 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 no. Episode's not over yet. Episode's not over yet.
Vivi, eu preciso de uma ajuda. Vivi, siga o meu espetinho. This is the end as always, but the episode's not over. <laughs> you can't eat that whole bagel. Why did I say that? Now that's what he wants to do. Yeah, that's the challenge now. <laughs> I think I can. <laughs> You have no power over me. <laughs>